Steel Toes and Scoreboards podcast. Like us on Facebook. Hey, Kurt, fun fact. You want a hot take? Oh, the real AI? He was a good two-strike hitter, and I'm going to piss some people off. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Why do the Pacers general manager manage to be average? I can tell you anything you want to know about the sport of professional wrestling. Hey, that's my line, oh, my bud. Bad. My <laughs> bad. Uh, uh, I'm an analog man in a digital world. You sure are. Chuck Liddell was a bad motherfucker, dude. I'm telling you. Word association, Kurt. Shout out to Joe Rodemaker. I play a lot of NBA 2K. Well, you sure do, don't you? <laughs> I don't give a fuck, Kurt. It's my show. It's my, well, I mean, it's our show, but it's it's kind of my show, too, so, you know. <laughs> These contracts are out of control. It's a damn kid's game. I'm telling you right now, dude, hot take, Bill Beer would have made Shaq piss himself. <laughs> you really think so? No steel curtain without Joe Green. I bleed Dodger Blue, folks. I'm a damn Laker fan, okay? I've said it for years. I finally admitted it. I'm a damn Laker fan, okay? You happy? I admit it. I'm a Laker fan. Defense wins championships, period. You build around pitchers, bud. Yep. You know, you can put any face on Mount Rushmore basketball you want. Bill Russell's still the mountain you carve it out of, dude, period. Buddy Biancolata. Vince Scully was the best dude. Peyton over Tom Brady all day, every day. You know, fun fact, though, Johnny Unitas was the best Colt of all time. He had a daily two-seam fastball. Tiger was the real king. Sorry, Jack. Sorry, Arnie. I've said it. Tiger really was the king. He was a freaking rebound machine. (laughs) I had a pair of Tim Duncans in high school. I thought I was bomb-ass, dude. Man, I love sports. It's life. You know, you're my best friend, bro. I couldn't do this podcast without you. Well, that's all the time we have, guys. Get ready. Another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you live. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Jared Atkins alongside my good friend, Kurt Kelly. Kurt, what's up? (laughs) What's happening, man? So, uh, I want to start off by saying uh, any music... (laughs) You hear in this episode, all copyrights go to the artists, the labels, the publishers, the writers. We own none of it. It's just simply used for educational purposes, the copyright law. And we also want to say that to the best of our knowledge, every bit of information we have in today's episode is true. There will be some rumor mill churnings, but to the best of our research, everything is true. And I want to thank all the sources for this episode uh nfl.com pittsburghsteelers.com bleacher report usa today wikipedia the la times the new york times the list goes on and on pittsburgh post gazette yeah. uh run the gauntlet you're on the gauntlet. yeah there was a lot of them so uh um also we are quote unquote brought to you by officially unofficially by clary <laughs> guitars Check them out on Facebook. Look them up. Uh, go to glarymusic.com. G L A R R Y, Glary Guitars. Uh, 606 404 6286. 
Uh, I talk about it every episode. I bought two acoustics in January. It, a didn't break the bank. No, eighty dollar guitar that sounds like a three hundred dollar guitar. So, okay, so that's out of the way. Uh, today's episode is uh, going to be about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the top ten greatest Pittsburgh Steelers of all time. You know, you said something at work this <laughs> week. You said maybe we should just say. The all-time greats, because you said it's going to be hard to pick a great. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, as I look over my shoulder to your Pittsburgh Steelers wall, this wall in your house decorated with nothing but Steelers (laughs) memorabilia, uh, I'm excited about this episode because I get excited when you get excited. Uh, And there's a a few, there's a handful of topics that you get passionate about. Uh, Overpriced contracts. Oh, yeah. Anything baseball. Yeah. The Steelers, the Steelers yeah. and Magic versus Bird, <laughs> yeah. which will be a future Steel Toes and Scoreboards episode, by the way. Magic versus Bird. That'd be good. Uh, to kind of sew up the ends here, last week's episode, the uh, Kobe Bryant, that was our longest episode. That was almost four hours, three and a half. Yeah. Good episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, got some feedback, including our boss, who said it was a good episode, but. He thought it was supposed to be more about honoring Kobe. Instead, we kind of did a Kobe biography, which constructive criticism. Yeah, that's what yeah, I took yeah, it as. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, how do you, what do you think about last week's episode? I like Two it. weeks ago, whenever. I, like it. I mean, I think I've said it before. Uh, if you didn't know all about Kobe Bryant, <laughs> that's I mean, the, that, and that's that's a good way to. That's what's good about these episodes with you, because on ones that you're not so passionate, driven about, you don't. I always wonder if you're sitting there across the table and you're just bored out of your mind. But when I look into your eyes, in a, a non-homosexual <laughs> way, when I look into your eyes, you can see it. Like you're hooked on what, like you're being, you're learning something. Yeah. So yeah. I always worried about you not being engaged. No, no, no. I can be engaged. Uh, I mean, just for the simple fact, I may not know a lot about. It that subject in particular well today's episode uh still pretty deep here uh 37 pages of notes uh and uh i guess we'll just go ahead and start getting into it because this is going to be uh this is going to be a long episode got a lot to get to and cover uh this is the top 10 pittsburgh steelers of all time this is going to be a list that's full of controversy i'm sure uh some people are probably not going to like other people being on this list. Some people are going to wish other people should have been. Some people are going to argue about where these players are ranked. But we started this with a list of, of all the players. Think about all the Pittsburgh Steelers. We started this list by narrowing down like the top 40 or 50 Steelers. And then the list went to 36. I had 18, Kurt had 18, and then it it whittled down. And ultimately, I let this up to a lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers expert (laughs) and fan, Kurt, to make the call on where we rank them, to which he did. And then he told me, challenge me. He said, if you don't agree with a ranking, he said, put it where you think. So there was a couple things I challenged him on. Right, yeah. But ultimately, so. That's uh, that's totally fair because this is an opinionated well, that's the greatest thing about sports I, debates. It's I, yeah. all opinionated. It's Opinion. always going to be opinionated. I mean, right. right. Uh, well, 
We sit here on a beautiful Saturday evening. It is nice. It's been raining. Holy crap. I'm going to fire me up a lucky strike at your kitchen table, and I think we're going to get into it, son. Yeah, yesterday was a washout. Oh, man, it pissed and poured oh, in southern Indiana for all you people that aren't here. Two inches or better. I need to get a rain gauge at my house. I really do. It cut loose about 5 o'clock last night, 6 o'clock, and, I mean, it just shit it and get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was raining hard. All right, bro, give me some dat, man. I love you, dog. I couldn't do right this on. episode without you. So, before we get into it, and I mean a brief Pittsburgh Steelers history, and I mean brief. And the only reason I put this in was because when I started research two weeks ago, it was July 9th. And the day before July 8th is an important anniversary in Pittsburgh Steelers history. So you had to begin somewhere. And the Rooney family, Art Rooney Sr., on May 19th of 1933, he sent an application in for the National Football League for a franchise called the Pittsburgh Professional Football Club in an exchange fee of $2,500 back then. Uh, a scratch back then. Yeah. Uh, I think if I dig down further in my notes here, I thought I – you know I always do the uh, what it is in today's money. I don't know if I put that in there. Or not. I guess I didn't. Uh, anyway, that would be a one, shitload of money, money today. Yeah, one can only imagine. Uh, yeah. Hundreds of thousands or millions. But anyways, uh, on July 8th, 1933, the team would become official and the Pittsburgh Steelers were born. Uh, basically, and I, I ripped this from the Steelers website because they, they had an art since this was the anniversary. Um... You know, they talked about they were going to play their games at Forbes Field, which was the home of the Pittsburgh National League Baseball Club. Uh, they play some early games at night under new Pennsylvania law. They're going to start playing on Sunday. To, uh, and as of today, and like I said, to the best of our knowledge, when we do these episodes, everything we put in here is factual right. based off what we can find. If something's wrong, let us know. As of today, they have spent 89 seasons in the National Football League with an all-time record. Damn, I took my own mic out right there. <laughs> with an all-time record of 643, 556, and 21, and a playoff record of 36 and 26, eight Super Bowl appearances, and six Super Bowl championships. So. And uh, here we go. So we're, we're going to get into this now. Um. About a month ago, when we did our worst episode, which I still have yet to listen to because of all the technical problems, we did our top 10 greatest sports moments. We ranked them down 10 through 2, and then we did honorable mentions, and then we did number 1. Well, we're going to change up things a little bit here, and we are going to rank the honorable mentions first, 5, 4, 3, and then two, there's never a number one honorable mention because number one should be reserved for number one oh, of all yeah. time. So, all right. And uh, you have the copy list like I do, but just for shits and giggles. Who do you think the number five honorable mention is, Steeler of all time? Guy only played three or four seasons in Pittsburgh. Hines Ward? No. no. Antonio Brown? No. no. He, played, he only played three or three four seasons. seasons. Oh, linebacker. Oh, Kevin Green. Kevin Green. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mean Kevin Green. Yes. 
So I know what you guys are thinking. How the fuck did this guy make the list? Well, you need to talk to my co-host, the Steelers guru, about that. Oh, he was fierce. Fierce on the line. <laughs> Coming off the end, him and Greg Lloyd. Holy crap. So I want to I want to tell our listeners, the few that we have, you know. <laughs> uh, I was absolute dead set against putting this putting Kevin Green on the list and Kurt's like come on and then through the course of a lot of texts you know because I was off work for a couple weeks Kurt sold me on Kevin Green <laughs> so I find, I reluctantly put him in the list so uh, you ask, but, ask any quarterback at that time when, well, that's, you know when they lined up and they look down on the end and he's got the hair flowing and the muscles all ripping out and half insane what the impact he had kind of merits him being on the list but he does not deserve the big list no, so no, no. uh kevin green was born july 31st 1962 in schenectady new york he played college ball at auburn and in the 1985 nfl draft he was selected in the fifth round 113th overall by the no, la rams no, no. uh you know, Kevin liked playing outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. And in the early 90s, the Rams switched to a 4-3, which put him as a defensive end. If anybody knows anything about Kevin Green, and I can vaguely remember Kevin playing in my youth. I more so remember him for his brief stint in World Championship Wrestling. Shout out me, always getting a ref- uh, wrestling uh, reference go. in there. But uh, what I remember, Kevin was does not like playing defensive end. Did not. No, so... No. Uh, in the offseason leading into 93, he would become a free agent. He signed with a three-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers for $5.35 million, which in 2021 is about a $10 million deal. Pretty good deal. That's... Chunk of change. That's, you know, yeah. Uh, he was one of the first... At that time in 93... Think about where they're at. They've got their four Super Bowls, and then they fall off in the 80s because the 80s belonged to the 49ers. Total rebuild. He was one of the first big-name free agents. Uh, He only stayed three three seasons, but he had 13, 14, and nine sacks each year, and his intensity and energy uh, really brought – uh, fellow linebacker Greg Lloyd, Lloyd yeah. who I'm going to break your hearts now, arguing with Kurt. Greg Lloyd did not make the list. He was in Kurt's list when we started yeah. comparing, but I'm going to break some hearts now. Uh, Greg Lloyd ended up not being on this list, so we might yeah. lose about 100,000 listeners right oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin's play elevated Greg's play, and then that's the 94-95 Steelers. That's when it started to become known as Blitzburg. Yeah. You remember Blitzburg? Hell, yeah. Uh, they tallied 55 sacks in 94, breaking the 74 Steelers record of 52. Uh, Kevin Green has been, uh, you know, he's been vocal saying that his time in Pittsburgh was his favorite time throughout the yeah. league. Uh, yeah, he did a, have there's con- a connection there between yeah. the fans and him for sure. I mean, yeah. And, and Kevin was kind of a nomad. I mean, he played, you know, for several teams. The Panthers, I think yeah, he did two stints with the Panthers. He after yeah, he did. After. Yeah, and then he did a stint with the 49ers for a season. Yeah. And then back to Carolina. Uh, he was an All-Pro in 1994. He led, the, he led the NFL in sacks in 94. Pro Bowler, AFC Linebacker of the Year. Uh, tied with Junior Say, I'll rest in peace. Yeah, Another yeah. Kevin Green's gone, too. Yeah, yeah, it wore. Okay. Yeah. 
No, it's okay. I was like, I want you to know, uh, uh, Kevin would go into the Hall of Fame in 2016. Uh, right here, his stints. He was uh, the linebackers coach for the Packers from 2009 to 2013. He retired as a Carolina Panther playing uh 1988 1999 he was there uh he was a linebackers coach for the new york jets and then sadly on december 21st 2020 this past year kevin green passed away at the age of 58 so not a whole lot of information there uh never was i mean i don't some of these some of these entries in this list this week some have a lot more information than others uh there's one particular player who just for the circus show of what went on i put a whole lot of information in there because i remember what happened a couple years ago and it was something new in the news every day but uh with kevin there ain't a lot much to say he was a beast yeah i mean i wasn't sold on him being on the steelers list i never disagree with the fact that he was a beast but his engine never quit running he was uh he was a hell of an athlete yeah for sure for sure absolutely so kurt here we go honorable mention number four and this is where we're gonna for the first time this is where we're really gonna piss off the pittsburgh steelers fan base so we're gonna piss them off right out the gate oh no and again do not shoot me shoot the lifelong steelers guru fan and my co-host sitting next to me ever since 76 i mean i can't i'm a steelers fan the number four honorable mention, war number 86. He was Asian. He was a fierce little And a, he was a, oh man, everybody loved him. Can't say a bad word about him. So coming in at number four on the honorable mention list is Heinz <laughs> Ward. Ward yeah. Uh, just letting that sink in for a minute. Yeah, they're they're yeah. cussing. Whoever's listening in the car yeah, right now is sure. cussing, 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 turning it off. Heinz Ward was born on March 8, 1976 in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, he was about a year old, maybe two. They moved to the States, settled in Atlanta, Georgia. And then Heinz Ward was a uh, wide receiver for the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Heinz Ward has 149 career receptions for 19 19- 165 yards placed him second in team history for the uh bulldogs um i got a whole bunch of college stats here which i don't really need to go through i think you know me i loaded up with info and then when i get here i decide what i need and what i don't that's that's cool what's uh he did play in the peach bowl um in 95 which was um i don't know he had a good game We'll pound, put it that way. Pound for pound, the, the toughest receiver I can think of. He was a dirty player too. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Well, yeah. <laughs> so here's a little fun fact for you. And uh, I'm taking this quote, and I and I quoted this strictly out of Bleacher Report. When Heinz Ward came out of college, it was discovered that he was missing an ACL on his left knee. He he destroyed in a childhood bicycle accident. Uh, coming out of the University of Georgia, he was regarded as one of the top five receivers in the 98 NFL draft, along with Randy Moss and Kevin Dyson. Kevin Dyson. I haven't thought about him since the Titans game. Yeah. 
What was that? The Music City Miracle? Yeah. Yeah, Buffalo. Uh, anyways, uh, he was Hines was projected to be somewhere towards the end of the first round, possibly the beginning of the second. Uh, both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Indianapolis Colts expressed interest in him. Uh, he visited both teams multiple times. After it was discovered he didn't have an ACL, his value dropped. Uh, the Colts ended up drafting Jerome Pathan, Patheon, 32nd overall. Uh, the Bucks drafted uh, somebody else. Uh, Hines Ward was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, 92nd overall in the third round. And on July 20th of 1998, the Steelers signed him to a three-year, $885,000 rookie contract, which equates to about $1.5 million in today's money. So, yeah, taking a million and a half for three, right? You know, uh, he was the fourth receiver on the depth chart when he started. And his first career game, September 6, 1998, against the Baltimore Ravens, he caught a 12-yard pass from the guy that you wouldn't let me put on the list, who was playing quarterback in 98. Cordell, Don't say Maddox. Cordell Stewart. Cordell Stewart, baby. <laughs> he should have been on this list. Slash. Uh, his, uh, his rookie year in 98, Heinz Ward finished 15 receptions for 246 yards. Uh, I didn't put touchdowns in there, so either that means he didn't have any or I just forgot to put them in there. But basically, he's only going up from there. Uh, he owns pretty much every one of the Steelers receiving records. Uh, I did not know he didn't have a, what was he in ACL? Or yeah. That's I didn't crazy. know that either. That's crazy. And teams passed on him. They still yeah, passed on him. Passed and look, on him. look how productive he was yeah, for... He won, uh, won two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls. Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. So, I got here in my notes. Uh, a lot of people, when you talk about Steelers receivers, you talk John Stallworth and Lynn Swan, yeah. but Heinz Ward. You know, deserves to be in that conversation. Um, I gotta stop saying um. Just great, great. Man, yeah, this is where you need to. This is where you need to come alive in this great episode. Great receivers over the years. I mean, uh, started with Stallworth and Swan, uh, and from there it just seemed like it progressed. I mean, Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. Well, yeah, Heinz Ward. You know, I played so much Madden back in the day, and there was a time where Yancey Thigpen, Louis Lips. Yancey Thigpen was great. There was a time in Madden when, at the time, you still had Mike Wallace on the team, uh, Santonio Holmes, you know, A.B., Heinz Ward. One of my favorite Steelers receivers, I didn't put him on the list, sorry, uh, Plaxico Burris. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude was six foot six. Man, that's about the time that the, the receiver, the tall receiver, started coming in, like Calvin Johnson. Just, oh yeah, uh, putting him into play. It was hard to stop. Nobody had an answer for him. Prior to the start of Super Bowl Forty in two thousand five in Detroit, Cower was asked who was the offensive player he most expected to have a big game. And he immediately silenced reporters, thinking they were going to say Jerome Bettis when he said Heinz Ward. Uh, 
To the best of our knowledge, can't say enough, according to stats, Hines ranks 8th in NFL history with 1,000 receptions and 18th all-time with over 12,000 receiving yards. He also has the third longest streak in history of consecutive games with the reception and is second to Jerry Rice in total number of postseason receptions and postseason, postseason receiving yards. Uh Interesting note here, it Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, it took him fifteen years to get inducted into Canton. Uh Hines probably won't go first first ballot, which he's been retired long enough now. He should have been. But and I don't think he's in there right now. I don't think so. He will be. Oh yeah. yeah um true. He's one of the most beloved former players of the franchise. He's a stealer all the way through. He, well, he played his whole career there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Never played anywhere else that I'm aware of. A one-legged guy. That's pretty good, <laughs> Basically. Co- that's pretty good company if you talk about Jerry Rice. I mean. Uh, let's see if I've got a total rundown of all his. Uh... Well, I so, wanted to put this in here. I, co- I, I copy and pasted this offline because I wanted to. I remember this stuck out to me. He's been considered one of the better blocking receivers in the NFL, and he was. You watched him. He he wasn't afraid to pound for pound. He was a scrapper. I mean, uh, but he often got shit on about his blocking. And I I remember this. I tell you what, I get back to like two thousand eight, nine, ten. I remember those days. Just there, it's been a while, but I remember a lot. I was young, early twenties. He had a downside uh, downfield blindside block on Cincinnati yeah. Bengals linebacker Keith Rivers uh broke Rivers' jaw he ended up missing all the 08 season yep. they didn't penalize Heinz Ward Bengals fans was out for his fucking head after that yeah for sure uh then they made a rule change they called it the Heinz Ward rule made a blind uh, blind, damn it, uh blindside block illegal if it came from the blocker's helmet and lands to the head or neck of the defender. And in 2009, Sports Illustrated put a poll out of NFL players. Himes was overwhelmingly voted the dirtiest player in the NFL. Wow. Be that as it may, he's still loved by the team. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, four-time Pro Bowler, <clears throat> three-time second-team All-Pro, Pittsburgh Steelers all-time team. Uh, when it's third down... And it didn't move the chains. It was behind the board. Like time after time after time. On March 7, 2012, the Steelers announced their intentions to cut and release Heinz Ward, which they did two days later. On March 20th, so about three weeks later, Heinz officially announced retirement from professional football. And he's quoted as saying, without the support of the past 14 years, this game wouldn't mean the same to me. It wouldn't be as fun. You guys meant the world to me. The city and this organization means the world to me. So today, as sadly as I feel right now, I hope it will be a good day for everyone. At the time of his retirement, Heinz Ward was the last remaining player from the Steelers to have played with the team during the 90s. In addition, he was also the last player to have played for them in Three Rivers Stadium. Um, <clears throat> although the Steelers have not officially retired Heinz Ward's number 86, it's not been reissued since, and it is generally understood by the Steelers organization that no player will ever wear it again. Yep, all right here. To date, he is not in the current, currently in the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, but shoe in eventually. So, (coughs) what few listeners we didn't chase off there, we're probably going to chase them off here. So, (laughs) you you mapped out this list. We had like 50 players. It went to 36. We both had 18 because we had some ties. And then we narrowed it down to 10. And then we went back and forth on the 10. And then... Yeah, and then I said, "You fucking rank them." If I catch a lot of heat, then so be it. I mean, I said, "I said you rank them," and uh, you said, "I'll rank them." And then you told me challenge you if something was off. I've been a Steelers fan since seventy. I mean, it's your it's your baby. It's your franchise. Since I was five years old, and I'm just going by what's meant to you in production and yeah. Well. I mean, we just put the all-time Steelers receiver on the honorable mention list instead of the top ten, so yeah. the top ten better be pretty good. Well, yeah. Well, because honorable mention number three here is oh, probably going to piss off the Steelers' deep. Mean Joe Green. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you should see. <laughs> you should see in your face. You're like motherfucker. You didn't. No, but uh, there ain't no there ain't no local there ain't no local Indiana love here because. Honorable mention number three is Rod Woodson, who probably can be argued should have been in the top ten, yeah, I mean, but at least he made the honorable mention yeah, list. Yeah. Impact. Uh, born March tenth, nineteen sixty-five, uh, in Fort Wayne, and played college football. Purdue. Purdue. Boiler the fuck up, which I'm not a Boiler fan either. But, but. whatever. Uh, you know he went to college. To pursue, to pursue a degree in electrical engineering. I did not know that. You did not know that? I didn't know that. Rod's got a big brain on him. Yeah, he did. Uh, he played uh, safety like he was pretty smart. Safety and corner. So, he, to me, he's a universal DB. Yeah. He preferred playing corner yeah, yeah. instead of safety, but he could do both, and he could do both really well. well uh, Cover ground, it didn't even look like he was... He was, a, he was he was an All-American DB. Uh, he was an All-American returner. He was a three-time All-Ten, Big Ten, All-Ten, All-Time, All-Big Ten first team. Uh, he had thir- He left Purdue with 13 individual records at the time. And I'm not going through all these. Uh, on December 11, 2014, the Big Ten Network put Woodson on the Mount Rushmore of Purdue football <coughs> alongside Drew Brees, Bob Greasy, Bob Greasy and yeah. Leroy Keys. Uh, on January 8, 2016, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, enough about that. Let's continue. So, Woodson was selected 10th overall. In the 1987, that was the year I was born, 1987 NFL Draft, uh, they turned to him right away to help work on their secondary, which at the time wasn't much of a secondary because here we are a decade or so removed from the Steelers' golden era. Uh, Chuck Knoll still head coach, uh, offensive coordinator at the time. Head coach, won a Super Bowl with the Colts. Real religious guy. Just one of the most Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. Uh, The rumor mill goes 
Chuck Knoll told Tony Dungy, don't bother with a scouting report on Woodson because Woodson was expected to be unavailable. Uh, however, after the Cleveland Browns and the San Diego Chargers kind of fucked up their picks, Woodson just kind of fell in their lap, so without hesitation, they took him. Uh, Woodson missed his training camp as a rookie due to a contract holdout that lasted over three months. And they finally came to terms with the contract on October 28, 1987. They signed him to a four-year $1.8 million contract that included a signing bonus of over 700000 His contract holdout at the time was the longest in Pittsburgh Steelers history until Le'Veon Bell decided to sit out the entire 2018 season. <coughs> the four-year deal averages out to about $4.2 million in 2021 money and almost $2 million in signing bonus money. So not a dat- bad day at the office with those kind of zeros in the bank. No doubt. Uh, he was also a track star in college, which was another reason he was selected, because he, he had a 4-3 40-yard dash at the scouting combine. Uh, so... Hey, very fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a 4-3 Yeah, that's flying. I couldn't do that. Wow. I, no, I could do a 4-3 like four minutes and 33 <laughs> seconds. You're right, me too. But, uh... That's moving right along. Uh, but... The whole idea here, something no, something worthy of note, uh, it looks like for all intents and purposes in 87, they were going to hang their hat on this young defensive back to kind of kick defense in the ass, especially yeah. the secondary. Oh, yeah. So uh, he was an absolute beast. He delivered pretty much every season in some form or fashion, tackles, interceptions, kick especially re- kick yeah. returning, kick punt returning. returning. Yes. Uh, so after the '96 season, they gave him a four-year, seven-point-two million dollar contract extension with a bonus of about a million dollars. Uh, he became an unrestricted free agent '97 after he was unable to agree to a contract with the Steelers. Uh, let's see. On April 9th, 1997, Rod Woodson declined a four-year, seven million dollar contract from the Steelers before the '97 NFL Draft. Uh, so the Steelers drafted another cornerback out of Maryland, uh, and ended negotiations with Woodson. Uh, he at the, so in the '97 season he goes to play for the 49ers. Uh, then he goes to the Baltimore Ravens from '98 to 2001, where he won a Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. And that team, that that defensive backfield, that team. You know, just to get off, because, you know, here the Steelers are the rivals of the Ravens. Oh, yeah. yeah. My all-time favorite player is Deion Sanders. And uh, that, 2000, that 2000 Ravens that won the Super Bowl, Rod Woodson was in that secondary. Dion was in that secondary. Mm-hmm. Chris McAllister was in that secondary. Samari Roll was in that secondary. And you think of top 10 defenses, and someday we might do a top 10 defense right, of right. all time. That 2000s Ravens defense. Pretty mean. The secondary was good, but that linebacking core yeah. headed up by Ray Lewis, you know, when he wasn't out murdering people. Hot take. Yeah. Ray Lewis is guilty of murder. Nobody wants to say it. Hot take. Yeah. OJ did it and get away, got away with it, I guess. Ray Lewis yeah. did, too. But uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Definitely a hot take. That was a hot take. Hot take, hot take. Uh, anyways, uh, after that, after the 2001 season, 
Uh, Rob Woodson would go play for the Oakland Raiders, which I don't need to include a lot of that in there. This is about the Steelers, but I guess I felt the urge to put it in there. After a season of nagging injuries in 2004, Rob Woodson was released from the Oakland Raiders and promptly retired. Uh, Woodson is among the NFL's all-time leaders in games played as a defensive back. 17 NFL seasons. He recorded 71 interceptions, uh, 1,400 interception return yards, 32 fumble recoveries, both on offense and defense, uh, 17 touchdowns, 12 of them were interception returns, one fumble return, a couple kickoffs, a couple punts. Uh, and he was the 1993 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, on January 31st, 2009, he was inducted. He was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, they didn't have the ceremony till August. Um, but uh, as a Pittsburgh Steeler, just himself, just not the other teams, he was a seven-time Pro Bowl, five-time All-Pro, Hall uh, Defense Player of the Year. And of course, when he went into the Hall of Fame, he went in as a Steeler. Steeler. There was no, uh, there was nowhere else it would rather be. <coughs> Altogether over his career, though, he made the Pro Bowl 11 times. Uh, anyways. Quite the resume, yeah. Yeah. So there we went through three. Right. So now we get to the number two greatest honorable mention stealer of all time. And number two comes in at a tie. Okay. And I'm going to give us the first guy, and then I'm going to record – or well, record. I'm gonna give us the first guy, and then the other guy. I'm gonna probably move my chair over that way. So if lightning strikes through your <laughs> fucking kitchen, it doesn't. It doesn't hit us. <laughs> yeah, right on. So the <laughs> let's go ahead and just let's pause it for a minute. All right, you want to? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're back. We, I don't know why I keep saying we're back. They never know it was paused, but we had some pizza. Shout out Pizza Junction, Lagoon, Indiana. So where did we leave off? We had a we had a tie, but we didn't tell them with who. So for honorable mention number two, the first one, the first guy was Alan Fanica, the guard. Uh, talk about Steeler excellence. And being a, a true Stealer. Yeah. And a, uh, Alan Fanica. Uh, was born December 7, 1976, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, played for LSU. Was All American. He was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, 26th overall in 1998. And believe it or not, there was a time when the offensive line was one of the Steelers' strengths. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was when Fanica was part of it. Uh, he's. One of four Steelers to be named first-team All-Pro six times. Uh, he was, I think, in five of nine straight Pro Bowls. Uh, member of the All Steelers All-Time teams, All-Decade teams. Uh, he was a huge part of the Steelers Super Bowl win against. <laughs> Luck, you all right, bud? Poor old feller. Poor old feller. You just don't know what to think, do you, Luck? No, we, had, we moved his house. We moved his house to do yeah. the podcast. And he don't like it. 
Yeah, as I was saying, uh, Super Bowl Forty against Seattle, two thousand five. Uh, Fanica was a huge part of fast Willie Parker's seventy-five yard touchdown run, which was made possible by a huge oh, block yeah. from Alan Fanica. Yep. I can see that play in my yeah, mind right now. I definitely sprung him. Okay. That's one of the plays that stuck with me throughout the years. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Fanica signed a five-year, seven million dollar contract, which is about eleven and a half million dollars uh, in twenty twenty-one money. Uh, after the Super Bowl, got the extension. Uh, he's made a total in his career. See, I got random stats everywhere. Not every guy's got a random stat, but uh, he made about $55 million altogether in his career. That's not a bad day at the right. office, right. make a living. Uh, on March 1st, 2008, the New York Jets signed Fanica to a five-year, $40 million contract with $21 million in guarantees. At the time of this signing in March, that made Fanica the highest-paid offensive yeah. lineman in the NFL. Uh, that was quickly blown away. Uh by the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in 2008, tackle Jake Long to the Dolphins, which, by the way, for those of you that don't remember this, I remember this clear day, the 2008 NFL draft was what I like to call heavy beef. Uh, Because something like, fuck, it was something like 8 to 12 or 12 to 15 picks in the first round were all offense. It was the year of the offensive linemen. And it was coming up at a very rare time in the league in 08 where the college draft was an offensive lineman dominated with yeah. all these prospects. There was a lot of good tackles there's and guards. Lot, there's a lot of good quarterbacks need protected. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. A lot of them guys got paid. Yeah, oh, yeah. I couldn't remember half of them. Uh, Jake Long went number one overall to the Dolphins. Dwayne Brown went to the Texans. Uh, Gosder Sherless, uh, the big tackle. He played guard and tackle, but he preferred playing tackle out of Virginia. Uh, Brandon Albert. Anyways, this is not an episode about that. But uh, <clears throat> Fanica was expected at the time when he signed with the Jets, and I put this in here because of who he was protecting at the time. Uh, he was he was expected when they brought him in that he was going to give leadership to the offensive line that had three former first-round picks from uh, Nick Mangold, center for the Jets, good center. center, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, great tackle, and they also had Damian Woody. Uh, But the reason I put this in here was because of who Fanica was protecting because for those of you that remember, in 2008 was when Favre watch happened. Favre came back out of retirement and became a New York Jet. Yeah. Uh, and they looked good at first until yeah, yeah. the wheels came off. Yeah. And jet fashion. Oh, everybody said Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, not much to talk about here. Fanica anchored the line. They went to two straight NFC championship game or NFC AFC, excuse me, two straight AFC championship games. Uh, then he finished his career out with the Arizona Cardinals. He signed a one-year, $2.5 million deal, uh, which reunited him with former Steelers coaches Ken Wisenhunt and offensive line coach Russ Grimm. Russ Grimm, okay. Remember Russ Grimm? Yeah, I sure do. He's a redskin. 
or a football team? The Sorry. Washington football team. I don't care. I'm always Redskins. Hot take. This is not meant to be offensive. There's a lot of people that aren't offended by the name Washington Redskins. Yeah. Are Chicago Blackhawks yeah. going to change their names? No. Are the Cleveland Indians going to change their names? No. Atlanta Braves. Huh? You know what was funny about that? You go back three or four years ago, get in your Google machines, and you can Google this. Dan Snyder said the Washington Redskins would never change their name. They will always be the Redskins. And you know what happened? Yeah. We don't talk politics on steel toes and scoreboards. We touch on social issues lightly. But what happened was these sponsors started pulling their money. Yep. In this new woke culture that's going on. And if you believe in woke culture or you don't, me and Kurt personally don't give a fuck. We're not really going to touch bait. Well, not really going to talk about it. But in this new woke culture, they start pulling sponsorship. And Snyder's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I ridiculously blow money on free agency every year. We hemorrhage money. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't yeah. piss off our sponsors. So now they're the Washington football team. They say by next year they will officially have a team logo and team name, but we'll see. I guarantee you the Chicago Blackhawks and the NHL will always be the Blackhawks. They're one of the original six teams. They're not going to. Atlanta Braves are going to be the yeah. Atlanta Braves. Uh, Anyways, getting back. This is the Steelers episode. This is your Steelers. This is why we're here. <laughs> Uh, Fanica retired from the NFL on May 10th, 2011. Uh, nine Pro Bowls, eight All-Pros, and one Super Bowl ring. So, uh, Fanica also... Yeah, I'm nervous about get to the next one for Wednesday. Well, Fanica, like a lot of retired players, especially offensive linemen, suffered from being overweight. Since his retirement... In 2011, Fanica has lost over 125 pounds. Right. Seen pictures of him. He's good. He's coaching right now, or he was a coach for a high school somewhere. Coaching high school football. Uh, on February 6, 2021, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so he'll be enshrined this right. summer. Right. Uh, but, yeah, six-time six All-Pro. Um, second, two, second, uh, two-time second-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler. Super Bowl champion, Pittsburgh Steelers all-time team, 2000s NFL all-decade team, uh, All-American, All-SAC, or SEC. Uh, and I put here in my notes, I personally wrote this, Fanica deserves his spot here in the honorable mentions. I cannot put him on the big list, though. No offense to Dawson, who just missed the cut here for those yeah. listening. Yeah. Dawson's not going to make the list. Sorry about that. Uh, but here in our eyes, there's only one other offensive lineman who supersedes Alan Fanica, and he is on this list. Uh, but the dude was solid. He showed up, did his job, left everything on the field. And unlike my co-host, I'm not a Steelers guy, but I really loved Alan Fanica as a player. Yeah. So now, are you ready for lightning to strike through the kitchen? Yeah. Because this point right here, if they haven't turned it off. It's, this is where they're going to turn yeah, it off. Yep. So well, I hear his crickets out there. I <laughs> I'm going to reiterate this one more time. This is your franchise. Yeah, yeah. You know the baseball. I know the football. This is your franchise, though. Yeah. Your team, and you know a lot about them. And I said you rank them, <laughs> and you told me to challenge you. 
Right. I didn't challenge this one because I want absolutely nothing to do with the death threats that we were going to get. So for the other guy on the tie for honorable mentions, number two. So he's at the top of this list, the honorable mentions. Uh, the other guy was born March 7th, 1950 in Fort Dix, New Jersey. That guy would be the Steelers' all-time rushing leader. That would be Mr. Immaculate Reception yeah. himself, Franco mm-hmm. Harris. You're going to get us killed. Yeah, You're yeah, going to get us killed. I know. I know. So, it, do you want to say anything out there? You're the Steelers fan. You're the Steelers guru. And the reception, he was in the right place at the right time. Why is he not? Why didn't he make the top ten? He just for his style of running, running downhill. You know, there's too many times I don't know. I feel as though he could have picked up an extra two, three yards if he just would have planted his foot at the sideline and just. He was a big guy, you know. He's, He's a, a big, back. big, powerful guy, you know. I, this kind of bugged me a little bit. Walter Payton never did that, but. And don't be wrong, I love Franco. Franco's Franco. not the type of player that Walter no, Payton was. So no, he's not. not. No, he's not. And, uh, and you know, the argument I, I would have to make to that would be he wouldn't have lasted as long as he did. That's, That's true. That's a lot of a lot of wear and tear on running back. But that was my biggest knock on him. I, I love Franco Harris. I had a jersey, number thirty-two jersey, when I was in first, second grade. Okay, I mean, don't get me wrong, but it just quite make it there on, on my eyes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, He played college ball at Penn State for Joe Paterno. Joe Paul. <laughs> yeah. uh, he he played his entire career in Pittsburgh except yeah. for the last season, yeah. which I think you said you didn't know that until I told you at yeah, work the other day. He, he finished out as a Seattle Seahawk. That was their – I think that was their uh, – Expansion year. Okay. Okay. I, I think it was either their first year or second year. Uh, he had some great stats here for Penn State. Uh, I've got them here. I'm not going to read them. Uh, he was balling out, though. Put oh, yeah. it that way. Uh, in the 1972 NFL draft, Harris was drafted 13th overall by the Steelers. And I put right here in my notes, I'm looking at it. This wasn't copy and pasted. This was exactly my sentence right here. Think about luck. Think about not you, luck. <laughs> think about luck. Think about opportunity. All that stuff and the magic of all when it comes together. Franco came along, right time. Yeah. In the history of the Steelers, one could argue. Oh yeah. I tried really hard, uh, and you know I'm pretty good at researching these episodes. Yeah, yeah. I could not find any contract information. Really about Franco and I tore up the interwebs. Wow. That's, that's, so that's I wanted to see how much the money was in today's money right. back in 72 for his rookie deal. I couldn't find it. Uh oh well. Uh he was named he was rookie of the year. Uh in his rookie season he gained 1000 yards on the ground on 188 touches. That's about 5.6 yards per carry. So dudes Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. uh yeah, that's a little loud. Blend of uh, there we go. A blend of power and speed. I mean, I for I'm, sure. I'm a big guy. Absolutely. Uh, he rushed for ten touchdowns in his rookie season. He also caught four touchdowns, so he's good with his hands oh, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a popular player, uh, and with Pittsburgh's pretty large Italian population <laughs> there, yeah. uh, 
Frank Sinatra was included in this. They dubbed themselves Franco's Italian yeah, Army. Army. You yeah. remember that, don't oh, you? Yeah. Uh, they a lot of them would come to the games with Army helmets. Yeah, had Franco's yeah. number thirty-two on the side. Yep, I remember that. Uh, and here we go. And I'm gonna read this, and then we're gonna we're gonna hold off for just a second because I want you to talk about this because we talk about this at work often. Harris was a key player in one of professional football's most famous plays, dubbed the Immaculate Reception by Pittsburgh radio analyst Myron Cope. In the 72 playoff game, the Raiders were leading the Steelers 7-6 with 22 seconds to play when Terry Bradshaw's pass was deflected. It was intended for Frenchie, John Fuquay. Uh, Jack Tatum arrived to tackle Fuquay. Harris snatched the ball just before it hit the ground, ran it in the end zone to win the game. The Raiders challenged the touchdown, claiming that the ball had landed or that Fuquay had handled the ball before Harris, which would negate the score. Steelers maintained that the ball had touched Tatum instead, making it a live ball. Uh, So, film of the play at that time was inconclusive. Raiders linebacker Phil Villapino uh, criticized Harris's achievements. Uh, They do a lot of – the NFL Network used to do a lot of top ten shows. Oh, yeah. And the top ten plays, and this was in there, and the Raiders linebackers just chew them up yeah, every time. Yeah. They're still sore about this. Yeah. Uh, but the replay showed Harris headed downfield when the Raiders forced Bradshaw out of the pocket. He can be seen running back towards the ball, catching the deflected pass. That that changed all the Steelers' 40 years of bad luck around. Yeah. Uh, but... It can be argued that Harris's place in Steelers history is more than just one fucking play. Uh, he's their all-time rushing yeah. leader, almost 12,000 rushing yards, 100 touchdowns. And when people talk about Pittsburgh Steelers football, they mean intimidating defense, ability to control the ball with the running yes. game, the hard-nosed run that was led by Franco Harris. Franco Harris, yep. Uh, and he was a big guy, like you said. Yeah, he was six two, about two thirty, two forty. Yeah, he, for that time, that was a big guy. I mean, he was the biggest the defensive right. players. You know, I mean. So going back to the immaculate reception, and we talk about this at work. But, so here's your platform. Tell tell everybody what you tell me about that all the time. I I think it was just the right place at the right time. I mean. It, <laughs> And it, you know, but he had the tools to make the play. I mean, it's your team, but you kind of shit on that play every time we talk about it. <laughs> well, Terry Bradshaw was running for his life when he threw the pass. I mean, they beat they beat us in every sense in that game, and they deserve to win that game. I will say that, and that's hard for a Pittsburgh Steelers fan to say. But I mean, that was just luck. There it is. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, let's see what I got here. Anyway, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Um. So, anyways, he earned four Super Bowl rings. He was Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl nine. Uh, rookie of the year in '72, Man of the Year, NFL Man of the Year in '76, First Team All Pro, two times Second Team All Pro, nine time Pro Bowler. Uh, member of the 70s all-decade team, which if you look at the 1970s, I'm pretty sure that all-decade team is pretty much all Steelers anyways. Much, yeah. The 70s was their decade. 
Uh, he's part of the Steelers' all-time team. He was the NFL rushing touchdowns leader in 76. Uh, what a career. Uh, what a great end to, to the honorable mentions list. So our honorable mentions, uh, Kevin Green, yeah. Hines Ward, Rod Woodson, yeah. and then Alan Fanica yeah. and Franco tie in there. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers cut him midway through his final season. Uh, or well, the Steelers let him go. They had a contract dispute. I didn't put this in there. They wanted him to sign for less money in 84, 85. He thought he still had a little gas left in the yeah. tank. He might have. He may, may very yeah. well may have. But they weren't budging. He wasn't budging. They sent him over another hour at the 11th hour, and his agent goes, we're not accepting this. So they released him. He cleared waivers. Uh, three or four days went by. He signed with the expansion Seahawks. Did a little bit of good for him there. Midway through the season, they cut him. Uh in Franco's mind at the time, he said, fuck it, I'm going to take a few months off, I'm going to prepare, I'll come back around to go. The 1985 offseason got there, uh, nobody came calling. Yeah. And how fucking weird is that? That's like, pretty weird. You're telling me that even at that age, which was older, but the player, nobody fucking wanted Franco Harris? Somebody, they must do something that so Franco, nobody else knew, I guess. Was, uh, Franco was uh, quoted in an article in the LA Times where I pulled this from and he just said after I, I didn't want to be one of the guys that hung around and nobody wanted I didn't want that image to be the last image of me so that's respectful he hung up the cleats yeah that's a respectable way to go out that's hard to believe nobody would have took a chance on him anybody okay so uh, before we get started gonna take a minute to uh plug another official unofficial sponsor we're officially unofficially brought to you by deer 30 mineral uh in madisonville kentucky uh look them up on facebook they've got a dot com website 270-339-7731 big racks big rack who doesn't love a big rack i love big racks me too Mm -hmm. Uh, they've got a whole line of great products. They're still supposed to send me a sample, which, like I said, I ain't been out in the woods in a few years. I, I'm getting to the point. I've lost so much weight now where I'm getting more active. I might get back out in the woods the next season. Awesome, but they're going to be sending me some samples, and I don't know if I'm going to put them out next year, if I'm going to give them to somebody, but they've got a whole great line of products. You want to manage your herd, and you want some big bucks, and you don't want them eating a whole bunch of junk. Uh, they're clock stopper. Is uh, lights out the reviews on it? So that's a uh, Deer Thirty Mineral. Like I said, look them up on Facebook. Uh, we'll plug any sponsor we can get officially or unofficial. We officially don't have sponsors. We unofficially have four organizations that agreed to let us plug them, and they're giving us a little bit of rub and sending us some samples. But we'll plug anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to build the brand somehow. So uh, okay. So, here we are. Now we're officially on the list. The top ten Pittsburgh Steelers of all time. And I can't think of anything better. We ended the honorable mentions with a tie. We're going to start the list with a tie. So, and as I said earlier, some guys I went a little more in depth in. And this is going to be one of them. Because we have a tie for tenth. And we're going to start... 
with a guy that Kurt didn't want me to put on the list when we first started making our list with all the names. And I'm, I've got pictures of all the lists. I might put that up on our Facebook page. Uh, a guy I fought tooth and nail with Kurt on, and he finally conceded since I gave in to Kevin Green. He gave in to this guy. Defensive end, Brett Kiesel. Brett Kiesel, yeah. Sorry, Aaron Smith. You didn't make the list. When I think about that, you know, you had Smith on one end. Kiesel on the other. I was always a Kiesel guy. Casey Hampton in the center. You know he, how uh, close. He nose guard. He was. Sorry, uh, folks. Casey didn't make the list either. Don't no. kill us. Casey was close. Casey was close. Uh, but. Yeah, there's only so many spots, folks. I mean, <laughs> and so many. I ways. mean, we gave extra spots because we had a few right, ties. Right. There's three ties on this list. So we had one tie earlier. We got a tie now, which means coming up somewhere later in the list, there's another tie. So. Uh, this list was honestly not my franchise, but this list is one of the hardest fucking things I've did to prepare for this episode. Yeah, pretty tough. I mean, because there's a lot of players that's left off, and I'll, we'll run through some of the names yeah, later yeah, that yeah. didn't make the list. Definitely, there's several that's gonna piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Brett Kiesel was born September 19th, 1978, in Provo, Utah. So essentially, due to process of elimination, he's probably gonna go to BYU, which is where he went. Uh, this is where it gets good. The Pittsburgh Steelers selected Kiesel in the seventh round, 242nd overall. Wow. In the 2002 NFL draft, he was the 21st defensive end drafted that season. Uh, July 23rd, 2002, the Pittsburgh Steelers signed Kiesel to a three year. $932,000 rookie contract that averages out to about $1.5 million. Uh, he only made five appearances in his rookie year, making four tackles. So, crickets chirp. Crickets chirp. Yes. Uh, I put a little bit more about Kiesel on here because I like Kiesel. Uh, 2003, he was on the injured list the entire season, underwent shoulder surgery. Uh, 2004, he came back. Uh, 13 appearances, 9 tackles. The following year, in 2005, is when he started to hit his stride. He played all 16 games, 3 sacks, 13 tackles. The first of his uh, career. And after the departure of a couple guys in free agency to the New York Jets in 2006, Kiesel signed a new 4-year contract with the Steelers worth a reported $14 million. So there's a huge jump from his rookie deal. Right. Of nine hundred and thirty-two right. grand up to fourteen million dollars, uh, he won. He won the starting position at right end, which you know, Aaron Smith's already on right. the left end. Them two together didn't get as much notoriety as some as like say Freeney and Mathis with the right. Colts did. But right. if you ask me, at that time, run stoppers, boom. That was the two best bookends in the league, as tandem wise. That like you know, you think of all the teams and all their bookends. I always put Freeney and Mathis in those years at the top because them guys scared the shit out of everybody. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then I go Kiesel and Smith. Yeah. And it's not my team. Uh, but. Whoa, just uh, think of, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so, it, it basically, it keeps going. Kiesel just keeps going up. The motor's turning. He's churning in better stats every season and then we jump to 2009 they signed him to another deal a five-year contract worth 19 million dollars and a five million dollar signing bonus uh and it just keeps going from there there's not i mean i'm not gonna go through every year uh 
I try to just another fan favorite. I think. Yeah. Well, I've I've got something in there about that here in a minute. I'll get there. Uh, in twenty fourteen, his two thousand nine contract expired. He entered free agency. Uh, his agent stated, "Brett has every intention to continue to play football, but no contract had been offered to him by the Steelers." And then finally, on August nineteenth of twenty fourteen, he re-signed with the Steelers a two year contract. And he took a pay cut, a hometown discount, uh, for or a two-year deal worth three million dollars, including a five hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. Uh, March 9th, twenty fifteen, they released him from his contract, and then three months later, in June, he announced his retirement. Uh, Kiesel was actually a good basketball player. Uh, he decided to stick with football, which I think he made the best. Uh-huh. Uh, his time off the field, uh, I just want to put this in here because I, I appreciate charity. Right. Uh, his Him and his wife are big uh, supporters of cystic fibrosis, uh, and they're big donors to the C- Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I want to talk about the beard a minute, <laughs> so I put some beard notes in here. Uh, he started growing that... Uh, while he's going on a hunting trip with it, it his dad. He looked like a Viking, didn't he? D- he did. Uh, with all the hair coming out from the helmet he d- and everything. He did. <laughs> uh, you know how a lot of teams and a lot of players, they'll do the playoff beards? Yeah, yeah. His just kept going. Yeah. His was, uh, yeah. So it become it, it took on a life of its own. It had its own. The beard had its own Facebook right. page. I, I didn't mean a Minnesota Viking there. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> wait, wait. I got something for that. <laughs> But it, it took on a life of its own. Like they made, like people made a fucking Twitter account just for the beard. The oh, picture yeah. was oh, just yeah. the beard. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> in February 2011, he finally shaved the beard uh, in a big festival called Shear the Beard uh, in downtown Pittsburgh. The event was raised forty thousand dollars for the awesome. Children's That's Hospital awesome. of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I love feel-good stories like I that. Oh, I do, too. Uh, let's see. <laughs> that, so then he would grow it back. So then every every year for a while, it was a shave the beard. Of course, it wasn't as impressive right, as it was right, for right. all those seasons growing. Well, he could grow a pretty good beard in yeah. years' time. But um, I put my notes here. There are a lot of former players beloved by the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base. But a lot of them don't compare to the love that Brett Kiesel gets. He was the ultimate underdog, a former seventh-round pick, worked his way in the starting lineup, never looked back. He was an anchor of the line for eight seasons. Uh, his stats never, his ne- stats never really did justice in terms to what he contributed to the team. Boy, a lot of intangibles. That, that's the word, yeah. intangibles. I mean, good word, son. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, though, hell of a career. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl in 2010. Uh, he knew Dick LeBeau's system, too. That 3-4 blitzing. Get old fucking Dick LeBeau. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm getting so excited. So now, for the other part of the 10 greatest Steelers of all time, number 10, the other tie. And this one's a little more in depth. This was the circus show I was talking about. So you know where this is going. A B. Yeah. Okay. So, before anybody shits on me, I Kurt agreed with me, and it's not my team. A B needed to be on the list because, fuck. I mean, I, just, 
I've still got a brown jersey. I'm not a Steelers fan. <laughs> Best receiver hands down in the league for several seasons. Several seasons. I mean, not he the biggest with, guy. He was up there with the likes of fucking Julio Jones and oh, yeah. AJ Green. Oh, he's not. He wasn't as big as him guys. Calvin though. Johnson, Fitzgerald, yeah. Des Bryant. But he got her done. I mean, he could get her done. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the shit show that was 2018-2019. We'll we'll get to all that, but I had to put him in here. Uh, Why do you have to go thug? (laughs) Dang. Man. Antonio Brown was born July 10th, 1988, Miami, Florida. His father, Earl Brown, uh, by the way, which I didn't know this till the Google machine and YouTube, his father, Earl, uh, is widely regarded as one of the top five players to ever play in the Arena Football League. Oh, really? Did not know that. I didn't know that. Uh, but his dad was a beast. Okay. Uh, in high school, A.B. played running back, quarterback, wide receiver, and punt returner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, coming out of high school, he applied to Florida State. Could have been a Seminole. Got oh. denied. Uh, over academic concerns, he enrolled at North Carolina Tech Prep. Uh, stayed there for a while. He intended to go play at West Virginia for Butch Jones. Of course, Butch, for those of you that don't remember, and I vaguely remember this in the headlines on ESPN, Butch went to end up going coach at Central Michigan, so AB, AB followed. followed yeah. uh, he entered the 2010 draft. The majority of the analysts predicted him to be a fifth or sixth round Selection. He was ranked 37th best by NFLDraftScout.com. He was invited to the combine where he did all the work and all the drills. Uh, the Steelers selected him in the sixth round with the 195th overall pick in the 2010 draft. He was the 22nd of 27 wide receivers selected and the second by the Pittsburgh Steelers as they had drafted Emmanuel Sanders early. Uh, he wore jersey number 84 for the simple fact of 8 times 4 is 32. He's quoted as saying, 32 teams look past me, even the Steelers. So every time I go out there, it's a little added motivation. So he's a little bit of a cocky fucker. Yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulders. Uh, June 10th, he signed his rookie year deal, which was three years for uh, $1.28 million. So not a lot of money. Uh, he was immediately competing with... Uh, uh, Sanders, Gresham, Stephen Logan. I remember Stephen Logan. Yeah. Isaiah Williams to be backup wide receivers. He was named the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart but behind Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Antoine Randall and Arnez Battle. Arnez, Arnez Battle. Yeah. Played for the 49ers too, yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah. Uh, on September 19, 2010, he made his NFL debut against the Tennessee Titans, returned two kickoffs and a punt. For 128 yards, including an 89-yard touchdown from a reverse on the first play of the game. Uh, so then, uh, I got a little stat talk, and I'm not going to read it. Uh, in 2011, he set the record for all-purpose yards in a season with 2,211 yards. Uh, that earned him the Steelers team MVP award in his second season. And a Pro Bowl berth. I said I wasn't going to read stats, and then I read them. I'm not going to go year by year. I'm just, All right. you know. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, basically, what we need to know about AB is what you need to know about fantasy football and the age of social media yeah. and the yeah. impact on young kids with heroes. and that. 
his stock just rises. Oh, his yeah. production rises. So we'll skip a little bit. Uh, he made the 2012 Pro Bowl again. This is where we really start to see the rise in AB and the AB fan base grew. He still wasn't a starter, though. On July 8, 2012, they signed him to a five-year, $42.5 million extension with an $8.5 million signing bonus. So two years in, he's cheddar yeah. Yeah. when he was originally only getting a, right. year, a million dollars for three years. So they they, they could see what they yeah, had. exactly, yeah. Uh, after Heinz Ward had retired, Brown entered training camp competing with Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, eventually, Brown and Wallace were named starters. Sanders was kind of in the slot, although sometimes it changed. Uh, AB could play the slot, too. And here is a – well, yeah. yeah AB could play everything. Yeah. So, I put this in here because I thought you was going to think this funny. So, <clears throat> it was about this time, too, where we first get our first glimpse of AB kind of being a drama queen. Uh, 2018, former Steelers safety Ryan Clark, yeah. who you know and oh, you've yeah. talked about very well, Made uh, made public a, of a disturbance, we'll call it, in practice in 2012 or 2013, where AB started shouting at defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau and yelling at the players on defense, saying, "Don't fucking touch me! I'm the franchise of this fucking team." <laughs> so now, whether that's true or not, <clears throat> well. Ryan Clark said this. Ryan's always been known to be a pretty out, upstanding guy yeah, in the yeah. Steelers' locker room. So, if that's true, and I guess I kind of believe it probably is, that's the start of our first glimpse of AB being a drama queen. Uh, not much happens over the next few years. I think 2012 or 2013, I put, I think, and I didn't research this, I think that's where Wallace leaves and goes to Miami. Right. So, it's now it's going to be the AB show, even though he's got Sanders on the other side. Uh I kind of feel that that's kind of weird though. Just getting off track for just a second. Uh, What's just because they kind of valued Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders a little bit more than AB. Like, like I prefer Mike Wallace over Emmanuel Sanders, but how the fuck do you kind of leading up to this prefer both those guys over AB? I don't know. Maybe you still didn't realize what you had, but then you gave him the big. But uh, anyways, so AB now is a starter and definitely doesn't have to worry about taking a backseat to anybody. Uh, his stats go at a ridiculous pace, but also his antics become, which I, I went in depth with this just for my own personal and just to really piss off the people that probably don't <laughs> want AB on this list. Uh, so... We skip like five years here, which you just need to know. He's dominating the league in oh, yeah. pretty much all receiving categories. Uh, then in 2017, there was a wild card game over the Dolphins. Uh, AB took his phone out in the locker room, which broke NFL protocol, uh, and went live on Facebook celebrating the team. Head, uh, head coach Tom. Mike Tomlin, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, urged him to not do this. Uh, Tomlin was caught speaking very crude and disrespectful towards New England, who they would face. Uh, (laughs) It was noted Brown told everybody he had been paid almost a quarter of a million dollars before the season by Facebook to create content for live channels. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. 
Debauchery. Uh, on February 27, 2017, he signed a new five-year extension worth $68 million uh, with a $17 million annual salary, making him the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. And at that time, this was at the point now where nobody was going to argue with that. He deserved to be well-paid. He deserved to be up there in talks with guys like Julio, AJ, DeAndre Hopkins, all them guys. There's no fucking denying he deserved to be there. T.Y. Hilton. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me see here. So... Brown finished 2018 with 104 receptions for let's see what he finished 100 I lost my place 104 receptions 1200 yards 15 touchdowns which was a career high he allegedly got into an argument with quarterback Ben Roethlisberger yeah. on the field uh, he skipped practices leading up to week 17 uh, Mike Tomlin was pissed they benched him for the game following the se- season reports surfaced that. AB was dissatisfied with his role in the Steelers, which he's the top receiver in the fucking league. He's the go-to target. So, and this is where I put in my notes, and this is quote, I put this in my notes, and this is where I go in depth. Because I I just, you know me, I love stirring the shit pot. So, (laughs) thus begins the 2019 off-season circus, the Antonio Brown Show live. (laughs) March 9th, 2019, the Steelers agreed to trade Brown to the Raiders in exchange for a third and fifth round pick. The deal became official March 13th. Prior to the trade, uh, reports surfaced the Steelers were close to making a deal with the Buffalo Bills, but that was canceled after A.B. himself got on social media. Uh, so that... <laughs> Wait, I guess... Yeah, I know. He's got the world He's, by the tail. He deserves to be on this list. But I want people to see how fucking, oh man, I, it's funny, and I just remember the 2019 offseason, man. That, uh, so he ends up going to the Raiders. Okay, uh, he finally gets there. He said, "In quote, I'm here to elevate everything around me. I'm here to be a surge of energy and positivity, and a good force and a good teammate, and bring out the best of everyone around me. Because we all know it's not just about me." Wow. That's what he said. It's not just uh, about me. The same guy that the same guy that's saying don't fucking touch me. I'm the fucking franchise for this. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm having fun with this. Uh, this is your fucking team. Well, I know. Yeah, I know. I, he's a little asshole, but he deserves he, to be on this he's list. A thug man. Uh, August third, he posted a picture on social media, which I remember seeing this. Of his blistered feet. That was when he got frostbite due to not wearing the footwear for cryotherapy. That forced him to miss 10 out of 11 training camp practices. Six days later, six days later, he files a grievance to continue wearing his old helmet. uh, Even though his helmet was banned, which I'm all about making the game safer, I guess. They wanted him to wear a different helmet. So he threatened to retire from football if he was forced to wear his new helmet. So, he found a replacement for his old helmet, would agree to wear it, even though it didn't meet NFL standards. I don't know. He continued not to go to practice. He filed a second grievance on his helmet on August 19th, which he lost. 
<laughs> on September 4th, he finally chose to wear the helmet for the 2019 season. Then on September 4th, he was fined for almost $54,000 by general manager Mike Mayock for unexcused absences and missing two team practices. So you would think that would whip a guy into shape. Uh, yeah. This has been an, almost two years ago now, three years ago now. Do you remember what happened next? Uh, no. Since he wasn't a Steeler anymore. No, well, I know this is the Steelers episode, but I couldn't pass up this golden opportunity for this humor, Kurt. He posts a picture of his fine on Instagram and calls Mayock a cracker. <laughs> then the post, he took the post down. He apologized. Then after he apologized, he punted a football and told him to fine me for that. And then the next day, he showed up to practice, made an emotional apology. Head coach John Gruden asked if he would play in week one. He said yes. He read, AB read the apology statement. And then a day later, he demanded his release. <laughs> Because they decided to void the guaranteed money in his contract for missing all of training camp practice. Oh. So, he basically lost money. He never made never made a bit of money that whole offseason. So, then he goes to the New England Patriots, plays a few games, and then gets cut for the team for the sexual harassment allegations. Uh, He's running the gauntlet, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, so then he goes, you know, he's going to set out. And then in 2020, he signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So he got a Super Bowl ring. Electrifying, though, wasn't he? Yeah. So. <laughs> On the field. He, he got, do you know, he's it's just, it's just I, I had to put him in here because of the rise of social media and fantasy sports and Madden gaming and what right, he's. Right. To, it's different for the generation behind me than it is for me and you because these younger generations, these kids are nothing but rock stars. Or these guys are nothing but rock stars, yeah, yeah. these kids. So, yeah. AB's on a pest. Did you know he threw furniture out of his 14th fucking floor <laughs> apartment in Pittsburgh? I can believe it. And the plastic furniture he was throwing out hit a 22-month-old kid sitting on the patio? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't well, laugh about that, but... Just moving on, let's just end it with this. I don't want to make this the AB episode, but uh, production-wise, the guy deserved to be on the Steelers organiz- on the list. Uh, he led the league in receiving multiple times and receptions, touchdowns. He was seemingly always open. Always. Uh, truth be told, we'd probably get death threats if we didn't put him on this list, but we'll probably get death threats from people that he is on yeah, the list. Well, but, you know. How about we move on to something a little lighter? A, B. What a list. So, number nine, Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. Chosen by you yourself at the ninth position. Center number 52. Mike Webster. Mike Webster. Oh, yeah. We remember about Mike Webster. anchor. He was a, without Webster, like Bradshaw wouldn't have four Super Bowls. Well, without Bradshaw, though, Webster probably wouldn't have forced it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, definitely Iron Man. There might not be a better player in franchise history who fit the mold of probably what a Steeler should be as far as doing things the right way and the way you carry yourself in public and on the field. Uh, He was never a flashy player, which I don't know how flashy you can be as an offensive lineman. 
a center. I mean, even it, if he not, was, it's in, not a glamorous job. No, but even in today's modern age, if there was social media, this would be one of the few guys that probably wouldn't have it. You know, this well, yeah, would be right. right. Uh, I guess what I'm saying in today's NFL, he would be what's considered boring, but boring gets it dirt done. Uh, he was born March 18th, 1952, in a little town called Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Wow. Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Tomahawk, Wisconsin. He played college football for Wisconsin. I shouldn't be allowed to be a name for a city, should it? I don't know. Is that offensive to you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he was considered by many not only to be the best center in the Big Ten Conference, but arguably one of the top five offensive linemen prior to the NFL draft. He was selected 125th overall round five of the 74 NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He served two years as the backup understudy to veteran Steelers center Ray Mansfield. No doubt learning from one of the greats, and you could argue this was kind of almost like a Rodgers Favre type understudy. Uh, Webster became the team starter in 76, where he remained for 150 straight games. He was a Steelers offensive captain for nine seasons. This ended in 86 when he dislocated his elbow, causing him to sit out four games. He won four Super Bowls, as we know, paired with Bradshaw. He was a seven-time All-Pro, played in nine Pro Bowls. Uh, One thing about Webster, if you go back and look at the pictures, you never see the guy with long sleeves. Because he was was a big, strong guy. He said guys used to grab his sleeves, so he would just freeze. He wouldn't wear sleeves. Uh, Webster's perhaps best known, I would say, in my mind, for that laundry list of all-pro centers. From 64 to 2006, they only had four men start that position. Can you name them all? From what years? From 64 to 2006, just four guys started as a center. Well, uh, Ray Mansfield. Ray Mansfield. uh, Webster. Webster. Jeff Hardings was the most recent, and the guy in between Webster and Hardings. Dermonte. Dermonte. Dawson. Dawson. Uh, Webster mentored, returned the favor that Mansfield did to him, uh, or Dawson. He was a free agent after 88. He signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, who made him an offensive lineman coach at first. And then he decided he was still wanted to play, so he returned back to the starting lineup. He played two seasons in Kansas City before announcing his retirement on March 11, 1991. Uh, at the time of his retirement, Kurt, and I didn't know this until I did my research, at the time of Webster's retirement, he played more seasons as a Steeler than anybody in history. He yeah. played 15. Uh, of course, Roethlisberger would go on to break the record just recently. And you're going to find this on here a lot because I looked this up. The Steelers don't really retire jerseys anymore. Right. But there's a lot of players whose jerseys haven't been issued and Mansfield number 52 is one that's not been reissued since he's been retired uh his high school renamed his uh the stadium in his honor uh he was put in the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame in 07 and sadly on September 24th 2002 at the age of 50 uh Mike Webster passed away of a heart attack and what makes this even more sadder, and I wanted to put this in here, uh, 
Mike Webster was arguably, and from all my research, the first player to be diagnosed with chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. Uh, His death has become a symbol for head injuries in the NFL, uh, an ongoing debate over player safety for years. Uh, After retirement, he suffered amnesia, dementia, depression, a lot of pain. They said for a while he was living out of his pickup truck or at train stations. Uh, Terry Bradshaw regularly reached out, offered to buy him an apartment, pay his rent every month. Uh, So did the Steelers owners, the Rooney family. Uh, He would always turn it down. He would disappear for weeks at a time without explanation, without contact with friends or family. This... uh, Put a strain on his marriage, and six months before his died, his wife actually divorced him. Right. So, uh, the uh, movie in 2012 or 13 or whenever it was with Will Smith, the yeah. concussion movie, yeah. uh, he was a big part of that. Um, but uh, He's been a driving force after Iron Mike it, it, is. It is a gladiator sport, folks. Isn't it not? You know, uh, something I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, you know I'm always thinking about future episodes, and uh, I read an article on football and concussions uh, a few weeks back, and I think at some point we need to talk about the state of football and uh, what's what's interesting. What, uh, get passionate about this i love sports i love old school hard-hitting football but you have to keep guys safe right junior say blew his chest open when he committed suicide because he wanted people to study his brain because he was cognizant enough to realize that there's something wrong with my right. brain probably from all the years of football right. drama so he shot himself in the chest so they could study his brain but getting back to this there's there's a a football across the country high school football that it's on the decline a lot of parents aren't letting their children play football anymore right yeah true i mean if you're if you had young boys right now would you let them play football i mean it's it's you you learn a lot about character playing football but is it worth it well that's tough because i got i got to think about you know my boy will be 10 next month i mean uh and he been talking a little bit about football lately so something to think about that's a hard decision i don't know but it's sad when you see all these childhood heroes and they're breaking down and they're dying and then you know find out it's football it's football's concussion uh his his ex-wife and his children ended up suing the nfl and and others over the concussions for webster uh you know, yeah, just it's a sad thing. Uh, kind of move on from here. Uh, Iron Mike Webster was a four-time Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro. He was part of the NFL's 75th anniversary team, the 100th anniversary team, 70s and 80s All-Decade team, uh, and the Steelers' all-time team. He deserves to be on this list, I believe. Maybe a little higher. Yeah. I don't know. We ranked him in at number nine. Uh, that just means hopefully people realize we got eight more. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, nine because we got a tie later I mean, in the list. Pretty tough. Pretty tough list. Uh, now, here's, I think, where we get our first bit. Of, well, I guess AB was controversial. 
this will be one where people might want to stab us because it's not higher. Uh, at number eight, linebacker James Harrison. Yeah. Uh, maybe he should be higher on this list, or maybe he's about right. That's up to you guys. Man, the scariest looking dude on it. <laughs> Holy crap. You can't have a Steelers all time list and not have a. He was a fearsome son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and tell people, I've made this comment to you at work. Uh, I think guys fear James Harrison a lot of the same way they feared Lawrence Taylor of the Giants. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Good God. I mean, look at him. Uh, scary looking. He was born May 4th. May the 4th be with you. This is a great story, too, on where you're getting ready yeah. to go into. I know it is. May 4th, 1978, born in Akron, Ohio. He was the youngest of 14 kids. Wow. That's exactly. Uh, yeah. 14 kids. A lot of winter nights there, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, hey. You want to hear a fun fact? Sure. It's kind of ironic. It's kind of funny. James Harrison's mother, uh, from my research, uh, did not want him playing football because she thought it was too violent and of a sport. And then you see the way Harrison would slam dudes <laughs> on the field, and she was worried about him yeah, getting yeah, hurt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Uh, she finally conceded. He went on to play college football at Kent State. Uh, Kent who? Kent State University. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Uh, before that, I, I have in my notes here, and uh, I didn't say. I just had talk about the shooting the gun in the high school locker room. Apparently, he was being yeah, a, a kid. Yeah. Shot some guns. Shot a gun off in the high school locker room. Got in trouble. Uh, he did a touchdown celebration on the other team's sideline. He got kicked off the team. He got in trouble in college. He was a bit of a wild child. Uh, but what makes this story even better was he went into the 2002 draft and was completely undrafted. Yeah. Uh, teams thought he was too small. He was just 5'11", 6 foot, too small to play linebacker and too light to play on the defensive line, so he was kind of in the middle. Uh, he did get a couple of training camp invites. Uh, and then they signed him as an all, uh, signed him the Steelers did as an undrafted rookie in 2002, making him the first Kent State alumni to play linebacker since Hall of Famer Jack Lambert. Lambert, who is my favorite Steeler of all time, Jack <laughs> Lambert. Scary guy. Will Jack Lambert be on this list? Stay we shall tuned. find. Stay tuned. We shall find out. Uh. Anyways, he spent two years off and on for the practice squad for the Steelers, never seen any playing time. Uh, James Ferrier. Yeah. And what I think when I think of when I the later two thousands, you know, oh two to like oh yeah. ten, the first decade of two thousands, when I think of the Steelers, I immediately think of that linebacking core of Harrison. Larry Foote Foot. and uh, Lamar James Woodley. Ferrier, Lamar yeah, Woodley, Woodley, Lawrence yeah. Timmons. Yeah. Which, by the way, fuck you, because I put <laughs> I put Lamar Woodley and Lawrence Timmons <laughs> both, and you great, wouldn't let me put them on the great list. Steelers, though, I mean, they, they were good guys. Lawrence Timmons came out of Florida State. Yeah, yeah. Lamar Woodley came out of Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. And you wouldn't let me put either one of them on the list. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. See, folks. How's the, the the Steelers guru shooting down half of my... Uh, anyways. Well, we had to make room for it. Uh. James Ferrier did an interview on NFL Network. He said that Harrison was so green early in his career, he would simply give up on plays when he was struggling and would even yell at the coaches just to take me off the fucking field. 
He was a knucklehead that did no plays, <laughs> Ferrier said. And uh, he would just stop and throw his hands up and tell him, get me off the field. We thought the guy was nuts. Uh, <laughs> he was signed by Steelers division rival Baltimore in late 2003. They sent him to NFL Europa. Uh, he was eventually cut by the Ravens after being cut for the third time in a short career that didn't have much playing time. He decided he wasn't going to play anymore. Shortly thereafter, though, the Steelers came calling, and he signed a fourth time. Uh, in 2004, Clark Hagens, their linebacker, yeah, yeah. suffered a pretty devastating injury. Uh, so Harrison made the final roster, and at that point he remained with the Steelers from that point in 04 through 2012. Uh, he later had told uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he planned to retire from football at age 26 to focus on becoming a veterinarian if the Steelers hadn't called him. Uh, he also considered following in his father's footsteps to become a truck driver. And to this day, James Harrison has a valid CDL, CDL license. What ain't? Yeah. I can't see him being a veterinarian, though. Harrison is a real puppy. <laughs> you know what? He could probably pick a horse up and put it, it on the prob- table. Probably, I mean, yeah. Have you seen videos on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have Facebook. I'm going to get you to have Facebook by the end of the year. <laughs> videos all over Facebook all the time of him just picking dudes up and. There oh, are a ridiculous beast. amount of weights. Well, his game he was, picked up a car. His hurt. game was based on leverage. Well, a son of a bitch had which plenty is, of leverage. Which football is a game of leverage a lot of times. I mean, well, he had plenty of leverage. Uh, oh, yeah. he's definitely strong. So in '04, then in '05, uh, you know he's. Steeler coming into his own right, a little bit, right? Uh, I think it was 2005, maybe 2004, uh, Christmas Eve game against the Cleveland Browns. They beat, uh, they were 41 and 0, beat him 41 0 in Pittsburgh. An intoxicated fan run on the field, and Harrison body slammed his ass <laughs> and pinned him to the <laughs> pinned him to the field and waited till the authorities. Game in and take him away. I, I think he would have made a great UFC, UFC fighter. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, let's see what else I got here. I gotta get comfortable. Oh, my ass hurts from sitting in this chair. Uh, so not much. He finally becomes a starter in '06, I think it was. Uh, he did. Uh, he wasn't a major factor in the Super Bowl win in '05, but he did get his ring. Uh, 2007's when we see the change in the guard. Cowers no longer coach. Right. Mike Tomlin takes over. Uh, the Steelers cut Joey Porter, which is another guy you yeah. wouldn't let me put on the list. Yeah, yeah I know. my list I sent you had Yo, Joey, no, Porter Joey Porter on it. Did yeah. Uh, of course in 07's when they draft Lawrence Timmons and Lamar Woodley. More guys you wouldn't let me put on the list. Uh, Harrison was finally named. Well, I mean, he was kind of a starter anyways, but he's definitely a starter now taking Joey Porter's place. Uh, he would have a breakout season, become an all-pro. Injure a few quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, he was voted <laughs> He was voted Steelers MVP in 07, and then during 2008 season is where he really stands out. He becomes Defensive Player of the Year that year. Um, him and Lamar Woodley. Good bookends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were the best pass rushing duo, I think, at the time of linebackers since Lloyd and Green in 94. Yeah, yeah. 
Harrison got 16 sacks, breaking Mike Marietta's record. Uh, together, Woodley and Harrison set a team record of 27 and a half sacks. Uh, when he was named Defensive Player of the Year in 08, he beat out Cowboys linebacker to win it. You know who the Cowboys linebacker was? Another name that struck fear. De- Demarcus Ware. Ware. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, because we've mentioned this game on the air a few times, and we're going to cover it one day. Uh, during the Super Bowl 43, yeah, oh, he he man. kicks off Kurt Warner and ran the length of the field uh, for a hundred yard touchdown. Maybe. He's rumbling, bubbling, stumbling. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Wow. He was play. so gassed at the end of that. Oh, yeah. He laid in the end yeah. zone for minutes, yeah. catching his breath. Yeah. Uh, well, he he outran or ran over uh, hundred yard. He was booking. That's, yeah. I could see that in my mind right now. Leaping he was hauling, over, leaping over people. I mean, wow. What a you run. tell me, guys like like who the. F- Let's see. Fitzgerald would have been yeah, there, and yeah. Anquan Bolden would have been there. Was Edron James still running yeah, back? He was Maybe. Still running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think who. Anyway, you tell me somebody couldn't catch him. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. I remember, so, I remember watching that. I was literally standing up and running with him. I think going down the sideline in front of the TV. So I got a little something funny for you here. I'm gonna. I ripped this directly off of, I think this was a list called the top 25 Steelers of all time facts or so. I don't remember where it was. So I might not have credited the right source. But uh, before the Super Bowl game, Greg Eastbrook, author of Tuesday Morning Quarterback from page two on ESPN.com, Greg Easterbrook named Harrison the 2008 Tuesday morning quarterback, non-QB, non-running back NFL MVP. When he received the trophy for the award, Harrison called in and said he'd never heard of the award. Well, obviously nobody has. The week before, Eastbrook had named Harrison to his annual all-unwanted all-pros due to his struggles early in his career of having been cut four times, three times by the Steelers. Uh, after the Super Bowl, Harrison's run was so remarkable worldwide that they Keenan Thompson parodied it on Saturday Night Live. Uh, so it's uh, basically, you know, he stays with the team after the Super Bowl in 09. They gave him a six-year, $52 million contract extension. On March 9th, 2013, they released him for salary cap reasons after they could not agree on a pay cut. Yeah. Uh, he went to the rival Bengals for one year. Uh, on March 13th, 2014, he officially was released by the Bengals. He then announced his retirement August of 2014. Uh, and then on September 23rd, 2014, rumors surfaced that Harrison was set to return to the NFL after Mike Tomlin noted there were significant injuries to the defense. Yeah. Uh, on September 23rd, 2014, the same day after Mike Tomlin made the reference, uh, Harrison was re-signed to the Steelers. On March 22nd, 2015, he signed a two-year extension. Uh, and then February of 2016, he said he was coming back. Uh, on March 17th, 2017, he signed another two-year extension. 
So they're getting all the milk, yeah. all the milk they can out of him. Uh, and then finally on December twenty third, twenty seventeen, Harrison got released by the Steelers after only playing in five yeah. games. He signed a one year deal with the Patriots. Uh, that's when they lost the Super Bowl to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then on April 16th, 2018, James Harrison finally and officially retired from the NFL, said, I'm done, I'm not coming back, don't call me again. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, for a team with a long list of elite pass rushers, uh, few were better, maybe none, than Harrison. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Undrafted free agent, he's now the franchise sack leader, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler. He was a hard matchup for any lineman. I, I yeah. Know. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Um so I'm gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna jump to number seven here. Uh we'll do two more and then we'll we'll take a break. Okay. You wanna uh, do that? Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm gonna start this next one by number saying by saying everybody out there listen, shut your face. I put him in the top ten, didn't I? Coming in at number seven. And if you have any problem with it, send me the message on our Steel Toes and Scoreboards Facebook page. Send it on my personal Facebook. Send it to our Twitter. Message me. Call me. And I will politely give Kirk the middle finger for you. I put him in the top ten. I don't want to hear no more bitching. Coming in at number seven. QB number seven. Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. You didn't even put him in the top ten. I let you. Yeah. I let you set the order. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he deserves to be in there, though. People might. Some people might think it might actually be too high. Maybe. Maybe. He's one of the more beloved and hated at the same time guy yeah, by the by the franchise. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird. Okay. And he's still at it. You know something I noticed? There's a lot of March birthdays on this list. When I go through rebirth, really? yes. I'm a March birthday too. My huh. daughter's a March birthday. Really? Mm-hmm. March twenty. Your dad a March birthday? March twenty seventh. Yeah. Yeah. March is a good month. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ben, March 2nd, 1982. Born in Lima, Ohio. Uh, he, To the best of our knowledge, this information should be correct. He's currently ranked 7th all-time in career passing yards in the NFL. 12th all-time in passer rating. Tied for 9th in yards per attempt. 12th in completion percentage. Fourth highest career winning percentage, just a whole bunch of shit. He's only he's one of only six quarterbacks to have beaten at least thirty one of the thirty two teams. Wow, can't beat yourself. All right. Uh, he was known for playing outside the pocket and what Roethlisberger himself does called backyard football. He grew up idolizing Elway, so why not wear a seven and play like Elway? Yeah. Played college ball at Miami, not that Miami, right. not my Miami. Don't you? Not the you. Not fucking, the U. Yeah, don't you? Not my Miami. Miami out of Ohio for the Red Hawks. Yeah. Which, by the way, in 2007, they retired his jersey number. First time they've ever retired a jersey. Uh, and that's a big thing, considering we're talking about the MAC here, the Mid America Conference. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. The reason Roethlisberger was as highly touted as he was coming out of the NFL or coming out of college. Was because I don't know if you remember this, but I do. Being in high school and watching, because uh, the the big Power Five conferences was always on on Sundays and right, Monday. Right. So they played MAC games a lot on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights on ESPN. Right. 
Yeah, and that's how people really. Yeah. So, uh, fun fact: in high school, Roethlisberger never played quarterback until his senior year. <laughs> played really? wide receiver. You know why? Why? Because the coach decided to play his son at quarterback. Oh. And Coach Cliff Height explained to the Toledo newspaper, my son throwing to Ben was a better combination. He later told him, I'm also known nationally as a dumbass for that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? right? Maybe that's why, uh, since Roethlisberger played wide receiver, maybe he could, maybe there's a connection here for him being a quarterback too, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Supposed to be a pretty smart kid though, uh, there's 2003 Miami Red Hawks, tremendous seasons. Right. Roethlisberger set and owns so many collegiate records for that MAC, not only for that school but for the MAC conference. Uh, he got invited to the combine. He scored a 25 on the Wonderlick test, which is pretty good. High football IQ. Uh, he was invited to the draft, the green room. Uh, during the 2004 draft, he was the second highly, second highest touted quarterback behind Eli Manning and right before Philip Rivers. Right. You know, you had the draft class of '83 right. with Elway, Montana, yeah, right. uh, Elway, Marino, and Kelly, or yeah. whoever it was. You got this class here. Uh, Roethlisberger was drafted 11th overall. Uh, he was one of 17 quarterbacks were taken in the 04 draft. Wow. Uh, let's see. August twenty fourth, he signed a six year contract worth twenty two million dollars, uh, with seventeen, almost eighteen million dollars available in bonuses and incentives. That's roughly thirty two million in contract and twenty five million in incentives in today's money. Bill Cower said he was a franchise quarterback. He started his rookie season behind. Tommy Maddox. Yep, touchdown Tommy. And who was the guy that backed up Tommy? Steelers fan favorite for years. Man. He backed up Ben, too, later on. Oh, Charlie, Charlie Batch. Charlie Batch. Yeah. I love me some Charlie Batch. Yeah, Charlie Batch, yes. That's a guy that could have been a superstar, I really think. If he could have been in yeah, the right situation. The yeah. right situation. Yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely. I love Charlie Batch. Uh. Batch was injured in the preseason, so Roethlisberger moved up in his rookie year 04 to become the backup. Um, Maddox goes down in game one One, or game two. two, Uh, As a rookie, Ben went 13-0 in the regular season, 14-1 in the playoffs. Uh, Made the AFC Championship? I don't remember if that's where they... I think they got beat by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game maybe that year. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so. That's, I've got it in my notes somewhere, that, but it's pretty impressive, you rookie. Yeah, it's in my notes somewhere. I think it was the Patriots. I don't see it right here. I must have had it down further. But uh, the first thing people noticed about it was his overall size. Wasn't it? I mean, he's a big dude. Big dude. Yeah, for quarterback. Uh, he's got all kind of. Records with the Steelers and for rookie yeah, years yeah. and NFL and just Ben's a yeah he's still going yeah yeah uh, let's see so we skip ahead to the 2005 season uh 
ups and downs. They go to eleven and five. They make the playoff six seed. Yeah. This is where my heart gets broke. The division round of the playoffs, January 15th, 2006, against the Indianapolis Colts. Mike Shanker Jack. Oh, Shank. Shanker Jack? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Drone Bettis fumble, Nick yeah. Harper, and the Immaculate. Tackle. Yeah, they call it the Immaculate Redemption because Roethlisberger made the tackle on Harper. Yeah. If Roethlisberger hadn't been there. Yeah, it was over. To this day, that breaks my heart because that 05 Indianapolis team, I think, was better than the, the 06 team that we actually they won the good. Super Bowl with. They were good. Plus, I'm mad because Edron James, they, you know, fun fact, Indy ended up sending Edron James a Super Bowl ring to Arizona because he was a, I, the whole, I guess the story goes, he wasn't there anymore, but he helped set them up that core over several seasons. So they, out of the goodness of their heart, they sent him a Super Bowl ring. Okay. Yeah, well. Still not the same as winning it. No, no, absolutely not. Oh, God. I got to stop putting so many notes in here because we have so much to get through. We're almost two hours into this episode, and we still got six more to get through. Uh, basically, here, I'm not going to go through all this. All right. uh, hey, Roethlisberger's looking good through several seasons. Not quite getting to the championship. Then they... He's two. Then they then they win the Super Bowl. Right. Two years in or the next year in, whatever. He wins the Super Bowl. He was twenty three years old at the time. They won the Super Bowl in 05. The youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Didn't have a good game, really. Uh no. The nah. I mean, efficient or getting up, I guess. I mean two thousand five off season, so that would be the summer of 06 or whatever, yeah. or summer uh the motorcycle wreck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I put in my notes talk about the motorcycle wreck if you want to. And truth be told, I can't remember what I read last night. I remember it being in the news. So we're just going to say uh, Roethlisberger was on a crotch rocket when he always said he was a Harley rider. And he said he wore a helmet, which he never did. Right. right. Just a uh, uh, bad choice. Yeah. 2008, they agreed to an eight-year, $102 million contract extension. At the time, he still had two years left on his rookie year deal. Uh, let me see here. Um, they go on to the Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals, which I say it again. One of these days, we're going to cover that. That's one of the top ten Super Bowls I've ever watched. Great game. Yeah. Yeah. Santonio Holmes is fucking. And I put it in my notes. Uh, trailing for the first time in the game, twenty-three to twenty, with two thirty remaining in the game, Roethlisberger took the field to start the winning drive. After a holding penalty on the first play, he marched the Steelers 88 yards in eight plays, hooking up with game MVP San Antonio Holmes four times for 73 yards on drive, including the six-yard back-of-the-end-zone touchdown toe-tap reception yeah. that put the Steelers ahead with 35 a, seconds what left. What a throw, too. I mean, I can see that darts, play. Throwing darts. You know, I think that was honestly better than the year before when David Tyree made the helmet catch in the Giants-Patriots yeah. game. Oh, I do, too. I mean, that was a hell of a catch on his helmet. But to see San Antonio, he only had about a half an inch to work with. And and he toe-tapped it. I'm serious. The the throw was... It was a six-yard dart. Where it had to be. I mean, the only way it would have happened. I mean, what a throw. What a catch. What a hell of a throw. Yeah. Uh, And the rest is history. So, I, I pretty much... I just wrote in the notes here. Uh, not much to write about. It's Roethlisberger. He puts up stats. Yeah. They win games. He's 2-1 in the Super and Bowl. Then, and, then I, and then I wrote blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's what I wrote. 
They lose the Super Bowl this, against Green Bay in a in a damn, damn good, good game. game. Yeah, yeah. That two that twenty ten Super yeah, Bowl, Super Bowl forty five that in Dallas. That was a good game. Uh, anyways, uh, I put Roethlisberger's got this stat and this stat and this yeah. stat, and I said I could list off all the stats and records, but you guys know it. And if you really want to Google it. Because you thought I had a lot of stats I could have listed on the Kobe Bryant episode. I got about that many for Roethlisberger, too. Uh, tough guy overall. I mean, just mental toughness and uh, physical strength. He's got, like I said, he's got a lot of records. We're just going to name out the big ones so far accurate as of now. Two-time Super Bowl champion, three Super Bowl appearances, rookie of the year, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL passing yards leader, uh, and then a shit ton of Mac Conference and Miami Red Hawk records. And uh, I hope he has a respectful year this year. I mean, just, I don't He did sign a contract extension and a new deal in March of this year, so yeah. Yeah. I don't have the numbers on that. I could, pull, I could have money. pulled them. I mean, he took I'm a sure he did. Yeah. That's, what, that's the right thing to do. There, to <sighs> me, there's a, to borrow a wrestling phrase, and you know me, I work wrestling yeah. and every, there, it's a, to borrow a wrestling phrase, and I'm using air quotes for those of you that can't see it, there's a time-honored tradition when you are a legend on a team, you get to the twilight of your career, you take less money because yes. you've made your money. Yes. They respect you, but in order to further about the team, if you're truly a team player, you take right. the hometown right. discount. So yes. uh, He did sign for less money. Yeah. I don't have the numbers, but he's doing the right thing. Yeah. So He's supposedly in the best shape. <laughs> yeah, that's not. what you were telling yeah, me earlier yeah. before we turned the yeah. Before we turn the mics on. Yeah. Okay, so uh let's 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 do one more and then uh right. we'll take a break. I gotta drain the hose, bud. <laughs> so uh number six. You're looking at me. Any idea? Uh, might be TP. TP, the Tasmanian devil, the Samoan headhunter, mm-hmm. the flying Hawaiian, Hawaiian. Troy Palomalo. Uh, there might not be a defensive player in NFL history with a better highlight reel, possibly, than Paul Malo. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the best strong safeties of all time. He was one of those guys opposing players truly feared. Uh, six-time All-Pro. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in 2010. Uh, he's known for being a heat-seeking missile line on the him, field. Line him up anywhere. And that's a well-defended nickname. Yes, line him up anywhere. Uh, he was born April 19, 1981, Garden Grove, California. Uh, he f- received a scholarship, uh, went to USC, uh, USC Trojan. Yep. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, the Steelers drafted him 16th overall in the first round of 2003. Cower and company firmly believed he would be an upgrade that was much needed on defense. On July 28th, 03, he after a short holdout, he signed a five-year, $12 million contract. That's about $17.5 million in today's money, so... Uh, he arrived at training camp after missing the start of it due to a hamstring injury and competed with veteran Mike Logan for the vacant starting strong safety job left by Lee Flowers. Yeah, I remember That's Lee a Flowers. name I ain't heard in a while, Lee Flowers. Part yeah. of that rebuilding uh, era. I really have to pee. <laughs> Let's get through. <laughs> All right. Not going to rush your Steelers, but I'm not going to no, pause this before no we get it. Let's, uh, let's blow, blow through this, son. Uh, Let's see. I have in my notes here his. Uh, I have some individual games, but I'm just going to skip down. His rookie season, he had 38 tackles, 
uh, four defend passes. Uh, didn't start a single game uh, in his rookie year, if that if my notes are accurate. He was the backup, and he played on special safety and in dime packages. Uh, but the next year, the 4 season, Cower came out and said he's, he is going to be the starter going forward. And I think that was a wise decision. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they win a Super Bowl there. Uh, July 2007 gets here. A couple seasons in, he's he's won a Super Bowl. He's playing lights out. They sign him to a four-year extension with uh, $30 million. They guaranteed about half of it. So, he's got about $15 million guaranteed money. Uh, that made him the highest-paid safety in the league, but six months later is when the Colts re-signed Bob Sanders, and he made about $10 million more. So... Uh, and Sports Illustrated held a survey in 2010, and out of 296 active NFL players, Paul Mall was ranked the ninth dirtiest player in the NFL. So he I know he's a rough, but I don't think he was really a yeah, dirty player. That, I threw that in there to kind of get your feedback on that. I don't agree with that. He just played hard. If anything else, Paul Mala was the one getting dirtied around. Yeah, Dudes were grabbing that fucking hair. Yep. yep. Mount, I can't ever remember him making. I mean, like he a dirty hit hard, hit. but I don't think he was a dirty no, player. No, what a dirty player! I mean, uh, I don't agree with that at all. So a couple uh, years goes by, he gets another big contract extension from the Steelers. Uh, they win another Super Bowl in that time. They lost the Super Bowl in that time. Uh, money, you know. Uh, they restructured his contract because he'd been there a while. He's a good guy. Off the field, can't find anybody that says anything bad about him. Uh, and then, surprisingly, on April in April 2015, he announced his retirement from football, deciding he wanted to spend time with his family. He was going to play in 2015, but he it was later argued that some people believe the Steelers forced him into retirement. The reason I say that is I copy and pasted this from the Los Angeles Times, so there I accredited the source. Uh, Troy told people he was approached by the front office and by owner Dan Rooney that if he did not retire, he would be released. He did receive an offer from the Titans to join defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau in Tennessee, but he said he only wanted to be a Steeler, so he retired a Steeler. Uh, I <laughs> And I want to talk about the hair briefly, just because you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, what's the most notable thing about Troy Polamalu? His hair. His yeah. Hair. yeah. <laughs> he said he hadn't got a haircut. He was on Mike and Mike in the morning, which I listened to that for years, years. Uh, he listened. To, he was on Mike and Mike in November of 2010. And said the last time he got a haircut was about it was uh, probably nine years prior. So. On October 15, 2006, I remember this, and I guarantee you when I tell you this play, it's going to flash back in your mind. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, him and Larry Johnson got in a scuffle. Yeah. Larry Johnson pulled him down by the hair to tackle him, and that's when Paul Mullo cut the flip, Yeah, I think. Uh, so that was a penalty. Uh, he had a contract with head and shoulders. Yes. <laughs> yeah, remember that. And then this is funny. Uh in August 2010, Procter and Gamble, who own Head and Shoulders, 
paid a million dollar insurance policy from Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London, for those of you who don't know, they insure a lot of celebrities and a lot of athletes and a lot of high profile things. Uh, insured his hair for rough, uh, yeah, a million dollars. His hair. <laughs> Okay. The dude's hair. Yeah, well, <laughs> wow. What the fuck is that? I don't know. It's some uh, pretty mean and strong hair. I'd be. Wow. Uh, his hair could probably kick somebody's ass. Huh? <laughs> uh, during the off seasons, he would do some college degree work, and during the 2011 lockout season, he actually finished his college degree. Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it was for. Uh, and then I put my notes for those of you who were too young to remember the Immaculate Reception, which was myself included, because I was I was still a tadpole. Uh, I'd have been just a couple years old. Uh, yeah, wouldn't been very old. Uh, so the 2008 AFC Championship game, which took place in January 2009, was one of my all-time favorite games. I'm never been a Ravens fan, but I've always been a huge Joe Flacco supporter. Uh, Flacco's rookie year took yeah. him to the AFC yeah. title game. Paul Amalo picked him off, 40-yard touchdown return. That yeah. was impressive. Yeah. You know, that helped drive the Steelers to the Super Bowl. Paul Amalo owned Flacco. Yeah. For his position at strong safety, though, at the end of the day, Paul Amalo tormented opposing defenses. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I say, you can line him up anywhere. He was hyper-aggressive on the field, yeah. scary, intimidating. Yeah. Uh, one another of the one, greatest defensive backs of his time, maybe possibly of all time. Another one of those guys that just he closed so much, he covered so much ground just effortless. I don't know, it's crazy. So Paul Amolo finished his career entirely with the Steelers. He was a two-time Super Bowl champion, three Super Bowl appearances, Defensive Player of the Year in 2010, four-time First-Team All-Pro, second, two-time Second-Team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. NFL 2000s All-Decade Team, Pittsburgh Steelers All-Time Team. And with that, we now get into the top five, and let's take a little break. Okay, let me make sure I hit the right button. Okay, what were you saying now right before Uh, I turned the mics back on? A shout-out to all those Steeler fans out there. I mean, there's a many. We are many. You are a many bunch. Uh, This list is totally just on what little bit of knowledge I have, and it's a little bit biased. There's some of my favorite players, so I'm sure everybody's got their list of favorite Pittsburgh Steelers. It, but at the end of the day, the this the day, is your team. Yeah. I mean, your franchise. Yeah. Lifelong Steelers Lifelong fan. Lifelong Steelers fan, yeah. Well, we are at the halfway point, I should say. We're about two hours in, and fuck it, I don't care how long this episode is, but we have reached the point now where we are in the top five. Right. And coming in at number five... Wide receiver number 88. Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. Uh, Swan's ability to stretch the field opened up big plays for the Steelers, and it made it impossible for them to fully commit to stopping the run. It changed the NFL, I think. Uh, very much. Uh, Swan was born March 7th, 1952 in Alcoa, Tennessee. Uh, foothills of the Smoky Mountains right outside of Knoxville. Okay. Oh. I never knew that. Uh Played college ball for? Uh, not sure. UFC, USC. USC. Another Trojan. Another no. Trojan. Another March birthday, too. Really? <laughs> wow. We've got a lot on here. March is a good month. 
he he played college ball for USC. He was part of that seventy two undefeated national championship right. team. Uh, and Swan was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers twenty first overall. Uh, in the 74 draft. The Steelers draft class of 74 is considered to be arguably the greatest draft class of all time. Uh, Swan, Stallworth, Webster, and Lambert. All in that draft class. Pretty good draft class. Uh, Swan spent his entire career with the Steelers. Uh, As a rookie, he led the NFL with 577 point return yards. uh, Franchise record. And fourth most in history at the time, he went on to win a championship ring with the Steelers uh, in Super Bowl Nine, but did not record any receptions in the defensive game. Uh, in the AFC title game against the Oakland Raiders, George Atkinson knocked Swan out of the game with a very hard but legal hit. Uh, I YouTube the play a few days ago. Uh, Hard hit. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say, pardon my language. He knocked him the fuck okay, out. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and then, in a testament to how dumb we were about concussion protocol, and we didn't have a concussion protocol right. in the '70s, uh, yeah. and also a testament to how tough Lynn Swan Swan-like, was. Yeah. Checked himself out of the hospital two days later and returned to play in Super Bowl Ten. Yeah. So, uh, Swan credited his experience football experience and his agility and his ability to uh being a dancer being a dancer you yes. knew that yes, didn't you? yes absolutely yeah he's a big dancer uh he even appeared on a mr rogers, rogers neighborhood. neighborhood in 1981 yep. and then he showed them the pittsburgh dance studio where he later underwrote scholarships uh, he retired after the 82 season with four Super Bowl rings. His yeah. nine-year career, he had massed 336 receptions, 5,400 yards, 51 touchdowns, 72 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown, and 739 punt return yards. Uh, he was a football and sports broadcaster for ABC yeah. Sports from 76 to 2006. But left to run for Pennsylvania governor. Fun fact. Do you know what party Lynn Swan is a registered member of? No, I do not. He is a part of the GOP. Lynn Swan is a Republican. Okay. Did not know that. I didn't know that either. We don't talk politics on steel totes and scoreboards, but when somebody's running for political office, you know, that's some pertinent information. We we just need to be Americans. (laughs) That's the ticket I'm wearing. He covered up... (laughs) Uh, he ended his uh, ABC Sports career after the 2006 Sugar Bowl. He appeared in Adam Sandler's uh, Waterboy movie as a sideline reporter. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame in 2013. Uh, he was uh, on April in April 2016. He was announced as the athletic director for USC. Succeeding Pat Hayden, uh, September 2019, he resigned as athletic commissioner. Uh, and this is something I I want to put in here. Uh, any kind of all time Steelers list will always have the Swan versus Stallworth argument. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm siding with Swan now. Will Stallworth make the list? 
With only four left to go. Mm. Five, because I mentioned there right. was a tie right. to be continued. Yes. Uh, but getting back to Swan here, uh, and he was uh, he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, fuck, I forgot the year. I didn't put the year on there. I think it was recently. Or well, I shouldn't say yeah. recently. Anyways, but he's a four-time Super Bowl champion, uh, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, three Pro Bowlers or three Pro Bowl seasons. Howard Cosell couldn't say enough about him. <laughs> they were big buddies, I think. I like Howard Cosell. I, I, oh, I did too. Do your famous Howard Cosell thing. This would... is Howard Cosell, a long ring side, my very best friend, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. That is funny, though. This yeah. is Howard Cosell. This is Howard Cosell. Okay. Where's that tie at coming, you think? <sighs> Pretty quick. That, that, nope, nope, nope. Not this one. Uh, not a number four. Number three, uh, I can't say that. Okay. Could be number two. We could have a tie for number one. No, we could, no oh. there can't be a tie at number one. No. <laughs> Damn it. Well, number four. And, and I want... And, and I want the listeners, and I want you, because I'm not saying nothing bad about you as a co-host and an anchor. You drive me. I tell you I handle the research. No offense. I can type a lot faster than you. So <laughs> yeah. I handle the majority of the research. Right. You just Google stuff during the week when you're at home to right. rem- and try to remember yeah. to talk about. But uh, at the time I, I was doing the research, I also had pulled up four different lists of you know, one was the top 10 Steelers of all time. One was the top 100, top 25, top 50. And this next guy that I'm getting ready to mention, number four, was in the top 10 of every list, by the way. Yeah. And you put him in the top five. And you had him in at three. I bumped him back one to four, so that's on me. Coming in at number four, cornerback number 47. Mel Blunt. Mel Blunt. You probably don't need to know anything more about the rules of football except they were changed because of Mel, Mel Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I remember that from years of watching NFL Network and talking yeah. about it. Blunt yeah, was fierce and oh corner. Oh, my God. A uh, safety playing corner. He had this unique blend. He Like the perfect blend of like strength, speed, size. Yeah, closing the gap very oh quickly. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah, dude. Uh 14 years he played for the Steelers. A safety uh, playing cornerback, I think. I mean, safety mentality. He didn't anyway. like to play safety. He, I mean, when, you, when you're when you a DB, you get moved. But right. for the most part, right. he was a safety-sized player playing yeah, cornerback. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, in 1978, the NFL disallowed contact with receivers downfield. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Mel Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. So... Uh, during his 200 games as a Steeler, he tallied over 57 interceptions, returned for returned some for touchdowns, five-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro twice. He was named the Defensive Player of the Year in '75, and of course was a key part of four oh, yeah. Super, Super Bowl, Bowl championships. Yeah. Uh, he was inducted into the Pro. Did I not write where he was from? I thought I put that in. Oh yeah, here it is. Okay, I was like. Uh, he was born April 10th, 1948 in Vidalia, Georgia. Uh, he accepted a scholarship to play at Southern University in Baton Rouge. 
He was drafted 53rd overall, third round of the 70 draft by the Steelers. In terms of a pure cornerback, probably top five league history. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, He was an All-American in college as both a safety and a corner. Uh, He became a starter for the Steelers beginning in about 72. That season, he didn't allow a single touchdown. Now, I can't fact-check that one. That one was rumor. I had a hard time right, yeah. fact checking that one, so that, that would will be impressive. Be, I don't, I, that yeah. will be to be determined. Yeah, uh, he didn't allow a single touchdown thrown on him. It's not saying it's not possible, right? That's uh, pretty. I mean, uh, he was effective playing zone or man to man. His specialty, of course, was the bump and run. Oh yeah, you know them. Uh, anyways. Uh, the rule would become the Mel Blunt rule, right. uh, making harassments, you know, receivers, you know, changing football again. Yeah. Uh, like I said, he was uh, the MVP for the defense or defensive player of the year in '75. Uh, I see. There was something in here I wanted to tell you in these, and I put a little star in it for my notes and. I knew it was on the Mel Blunt section, and I'm trying to stall time while I find it. There was something about Blunt I wanted to put in here for you, and I start it, and I can't find it. Oh, well, here's something else. Uh, you know, I'm big on charity. We talked right, about that. Right. He opened uh, a Mel Blunt youth home, a shelter and Christian mission for victims of child abuse and neglect in Toombs County, Georgia. Awesome. They also opened another one near Pittsburgh. Uh, Mel Blunt was very vocal about children should not be abused and neglected, which they shouldn't they should be. be yeah. uh, but he was about a voice of these children who could awesome. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was trying to find that damn note I put in here for you. Great stealer. I mean, oh, here it is because I know you make you've made Fran Tarkenton references in the past, which I have too. <laughs> yeah, I love Fran Tarkenton, yeah. by the way. Uh, I, here's here's what I wanted to put in here for you. The Steelers' first playoff berth in franchise history coincided with Blunt's rise to full-time starter in 72. In 75, he had a breakout year, blah, 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 blah. In 1981, he turned his third... He turned in his third six-interception season. He rose to the occasion in the postseason. He intercepted a Fran Tarkenton pass in Steelers territory late in the first half of Super Bowl IX. And then in Super Bowl Thirteen, Tarkenton picked off Stahlbach to set up the go-ahead touchdown. So here's two Hall of Fame-worthy quarterbacks within a handful of four years, oh, and he just uh, picked them both. Uh, Game-changer. So, Mel Blunt, four-time Super Bowl champion, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, AFC Defensive Player of the Year, you know, All-Pro twice, first team, four-time All-Pro second team, five Pro Bowler, NFL All-80s team, All-70s team, 75th anniversary. Anchor in the yeah. steel curtain, for sure. Yeah. Okay, number three. It's got to be Jack Lambert. No. No. 
Terry Bradshaw? No. Running back, Notre Dame. Oh, oh uh, Jerome Bettis. The bus. Yeah. Uh, I forgot we had him in the top ten. Oops. Number three. Number 36, Jerome Bettis. Wait, wait. If you're a true football fan. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm not a Steelers fan, but you got to give Bettis the respect he deserves. Uh, born February 16th, 1972. You know where he's from, don't you? Indian? No. no. He's close. Born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. You know That's where he right, played Detroit. college ball? Uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, he was selected 10th overall in the first round of the 93 NFL draft by? The L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams. Uh, he signed a three-year deal for about $4.5 million. Uh, that's around $8 million in today's 2021 money. Uh, as a rookie, he flourished in the system. He earned the nickname the Battering Ram or the Bus. Uh, he rushed for 1,400 yards, second in the NFL. He drew a lot of comparisons to Earl Campbell. Uh, yeah. You remember Earl Campbell's oh, yeah. thighs? Oh, yeah. I've never seen legs like that on a human being. I mean, I wasn't alive <clears throat> then. Or, well, I mean, I shouldn't say I wasn't alive. I was, I was young. I remember... Later in life, yeah, he had tree trunks for oh, legs. Yeah. Earl yeah. Campbell, yeah, it didn't last that long. No, he didn't. He was it's a, a huge, style runner, though. It's he just, was where? Where all did he play? Was it always with the Oilers? Oilers? Yeah. Do you ever play for anybody else? I don't think so. I don't know it for sure, but I'm thinking he was an Oiler, lifelong Oiler. He didn't play very many years. Tree trunks for legs, dude. Under Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips is so fun. You ever see him wearing that big ten gallon yeah, hat on yeah. the yeah. sidelines? Oh, yeah. Had that chewing tobacco. He yeah. leaned over, yeah. spit it on the sidelines all the time. Dan Pastorini. A hell of a quarterback. Yeah, a good quarterback, for sure. Billy White Hughes Johnson. Hey, steel toes and scoreboards. Sometimes we get it off topic. Dan Pastorini or Warren Moon. Man, I go, I don't know, Warren Moon. <laughs> I would say Warren Moon, but it's close. It's close. I mean, Warren Moon put up some good numbers. Pastorini was the leader. Yeah, yeah. High sure. five, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Pastorini. I wasn't a Warren Moon fan by any means, but I, I just had to go with Warren Moon. Bettis also had an NFL best 79 rushing first downs and an NFL best 38 runs of 10 or more yards and tied the lead league with seven 100-yard games despite not becoming the full-time starter until the sixth game of his rookie season. He was first-team All-Pro, the only rookie named the team. He was NFL Rookie of the Year unanimously. He was Pro Bowl in each of his first two seasons with the Rams. In 1995, the Rams moved to St. Louis. Uh, new coach, Rich Brooks. Yep. Do not remember who the fuck that is. Yeah, I remember Rich Brooks. Rich Brooks instituted a more pass-heavy offense, Bettis, was limited to 637 yards, a significant drop-off. Uh, Brooks asked Bettis whether he would wanted to move to fullback for the 96 season or prefer to be traded. Bettis said he thinks he could still help an NFL team with his running. I'm not a blocker. Uh, and in one of the most fucked up, lopsided trades in NFL history, uh, Bettis was traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers with a third-round pick in the 96 draft in exchange for a Steelers' second-round pick and their fourth-round pick. 
The Rams gave Bettis the option of which team he wanted to be traded to, and he chose the Steelers over their AFC Central rival, Houston Oilers, who would go on to draft what Ohio State running back later Eddie that George. year? Eddie George. I, I to they, this day, still love I, me some I, Eddie George. I like the way Eddie George ran the football, yeah, for sure. I wasn't a Titans fan when I was younger, but I was an Eddie George guy. Steve McNair was a good quarterback. Man, what a guy. I miss Steve McNair. Uh, yeah, a tragic deal there. Murder-suicide. Mm. She killed him. Yeah. That's the sad part. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, <clears throat> we're not going to get caught up into all these traded draft picks who Lee turned out to be, which, by the way, I put that in there if you wanted it, but yeah. I do that so much. I put in a whole bunch of information, we skip half of it. Well, I mean. Because i got to cover the bases. I never right. know what you're going to throw at me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Better safe than sorry. Uh, while he was a Stealer, uh, yeah, you know, we're just going to stats, stats, but some playoff games here, there playoff losses, a lot of heartbreak. Uh, his final season. Well, we'll we'll get there. Uh, they get close. Well, before that, I wanted to get to, uh, Thanksgiving, 1998. The heads and tails game. Do you remember that? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Phil Luckett got death threats after yeah. that. <laughs> oh, but, you know, for those of you that don't remember this, uh, the Lions always play. Well, Lions is one of three teams that play every year on Thanksgiving Day. Right. They were playing the Steelers. Uh Overtime coin toss. Bettis appeared to call tails while it was in the air. Referee Luckett declared that Bettis called heads and awarded the possession to Detroit, who would go on to win the game before Pittsburgh had a chance to have possession. The incident in the following days was reviewed by the NFL and changed the rule to declare that a call of heads or tails would be made before the coin was tossed rather than, (laughs) which seems to me like that should have been a rule that was implemented beforehand. Uh, It's pretty dumb. But uh, the reader, ESPN.com readers voted this incident as number eight on the list of ten worst sports officiating calls of all time. If that's eight, I'd hate to see what some yeah, of the others okay. are. Hey, yeah. well, throw back to our uh, 85 World Series. Yeah. Where do you think Don Dinger's calls that on that list? Uh, probably <laughs> top five somewhere. That was still my favorite episode we've done, the 85 World Series. Good episode. That was a great series. I mean, it was certainly better than the episode before that, which well, I still haven't listened to to this day. I tell you what, we need to do what? We need to go back and redo that, maybe. Redo the top ten. Redo that. Well, I mean, that episode you, sucked. You definitely. I I am here to freely admit that that episode sucked. We had so much it was great. audio production <laughs> it issues. Was great, the episode there was great cut content. in and out. There's great content in there. Some Maybe sometime there. we'll redo it. There's some good stuff in there. I still haven't listened to it to this day. It's not that bad. You go through on my Spotify where we have all our episodes, and I, I listen to every episode when I'm like the next day so I can go back and see it right. in real, and just kind of like what I did wrong, where we need to improve. That's the only one that's not been played on there. I <laughs> you, fucking not touch that episode. You, you need to listen to it. It's not that bad. Anyways, get back to this. So, Bettis... Sound enhancements of the audio released later, and fans have slowed down over time on YouTube, and you can see my hands moving when I'm talking to you here. 
It sounds like Bettis goes, head tails. <laughs> Bettis admitted to starting to call heads eventually years later before finally changing it to tails. But immediately after the incident, Bettis said, I did not say heads. <laughs> uh, it just, you know, it was, that was just funny. Uh, 2004 AFC Championship game. Uh, the Steelers lost to the uh, Patriots. Patriots, boo. Uh, January 23rd, 2005, Bettis announced he was considering retirement, but he would not make the final decision until later on in the year because he wanted to make sure it wasn't the sting of defeat clouding his judgment. <laughs> he later agreed to come back for the Steelers for one more season yeah. since the Super Bowl was in Detroit. Right. What better way to go out on top than go out on top at home? And that's what fucking happened. Yeah, they got hot in that season. <laughs> he uh, and he was playing on two bad knees then too. I think. I mean. He finished his thirteen seasons, fifth all time leading rusher, thirteen thousand yards, ninety one touchdowns, caught two hundred passes for almost fifteen hundred yards, three touchdowns, threw three career TD passes. Wow. Uh, and then I got. Uh, after the Steelers, after the game, he said uh, about – let me start over. After the Super Bowl win, when asked about the possibility of retirement, Jerome said, I don't need any time to think. I've played this game for a championship. I'm a championship, and I think the bus's last stop is here in Detroit. He announced his retirement standing on the championship podium while yeah. holding the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. And although, as we said, the Steelers haven't really retired jerseys anymore. There's only a couple that are retired. Right. Uh, his number 36 has not been reissued, and it's generally understood no Steeler will ever again right. wear number 36. Uh, Super Bowl champion, rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, Walter Payton man of the year, six-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, and a, a Pittsburgh Steelers all-time team. Fan favorite. Fan favorite. You oh, talk yeah. about beloved Kiesel, beloved man. players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kiesel. The bus is in the there. Bus. Okay. So, uh, I think I need to, we need to plug a sponsor. Official, unofficial sponsor. Sounds um, good. Kurt, fill time for a second. I'm trying to find this. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I think I know who it's going to be. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna. It's going to be the one where we read the live ad for the the uh, printing place that yes. continuously offers to make us a logo. I need to get with them and uh, Have, make us a logo. Yeah, they're they're going to make us a logo. Maybe get some. Uh, where the hell is it? Okay, here we go. So, guys, <laughs> sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Uh, so, be sure to check out Main Street Designs, LLC, in Jasper, Indiana. They're a small business specializing in laser engraving and direct-to-garment printing. They also offer vinyl decals and other personalized items for you or your business. Message them on Facebook or give them a call at 812-661-7765 or 812-661-7488. They do ship nationally uh for those listeners what we get out of state uh they're good at what they do uh, oh man their yeah, pictures some of the shit they've done they put on facebook they'll make us a logo hell we could i you know well i'll get a couple shirts made yeah yeah there you go yeah 
Uh, they got nice stuff. I need to get back with them. They they message me every so often asking about uh, the garments and stuff, right. uh, just the logos. But uh, okay, I need a cigarette because this one's a biggie. So <clears throat> you're right. We can't have a tie for number one. So now we're at number two, and there is a tie. So we've had three ties yeah. on this list. Yeah, I know where this is going. Wow, this was uh My ice is all gone. That's warm <laughs> as fuck. Uh So yeah, uh I want to say It was a lot of work to put this list together. The research wasn't that bad, but it was a lot of work to put the list together. Yeah, I mean, considering we had fifty, and then we whittled it down, yeah. and we had thirty-six because you had eighteen and I had eighteen because yeah. we couldn't agree, and then we went back and forth over the course of a week and a half trying to uh, hammer it out. Yeah, yeah, hammer it out here. So, uh, so we have a tie for second, greatest stealer of all time, and to start it off, coming in at uh, I guess you'd call it. 2A or 2B, uh, number 58, linebacker. Jack Lambert. Jack Lambert. And I want to start by saying, if you Google Jack Lambert versus Jack Ham, you're going to find a lot of Steelers fans arguing over which was the better linebacker. Right. Some people say that Ham was the better player. Some say Lambert was the better athlete. Jack Ham, unfortunately is not going to be the tie on this, and we all know he's not going to make number one. It's universally known who number one's going to be. Yeah. We're just not going to give it away. But uh, Ham's not on the list. He should have been probably, I, I but there's only so many spots. You yeah. had him in yeah. one of the initial lists. but Great linebacker. Uh, I mean, I we talked in the bonus episode. We've talked at work. I said, I'm not a Steelers guy, but Jack Lambert's probably one of my all-time favorite Steelers. Just missing them fucking teeth. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. You think of dominating linebackers in that era of the 60s and the 70s, you got what, Nishki, you got yeah. Butkus, yep. and then you got Lambert. Yep, for sure. So uh, Jack Lambert was born July 8th, 1952 in Mantuna, Ohio. If I said that right, it's funny. I'm thinking of like a manfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he was an undersized 204-pound rookie in 1974. He was slated to be the backup outside linebacker until middle linebacker Henry Davis went out with a pretty severe injury, so they pushed him into the middle linebacker role, and he stayed there until 84. He yeah. never left. He never left, yeah. Uh, Lambert is probably the best physical linebacker in Steelers history, one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, toughness and physicality, that was what this yeah. son of a bitch was known for. Well, and he had some IQ about him, too. He great middle linebacker i mean he was uh played kent played kent state they huh. drafted him 46 overall in the second round of their infamous 74 draft uh i thought i was out of cigarettes i was gonna freak out <laughs> forgot i got another pack uh he was he was your prototypical middle linebacker you know did a lot of the what would become later known monty <laughs> kiffin's tampa yep. two defense you know which by the way you know, Adam told us we need to do love to people that don't get love, like arena attendants and uh, coordinators <laughs> right. and coaches. Monty Kiffin was one of the greatest defensive minds in football oh, yeah. history. Oh, yeah. And I think Tampa, too, I think about what Monty did. It's still a defense on Madden. 
today. No, Tampa too, yeah. Yeah, sure. And to me, that starts and ends with a lot with Monty Kiffin. So, oh, yeah. uh, shout out Monty Kiffin. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he's Great. still around or not. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I don't even know where Lane's coaching at now. Great. He's bumped around from place to place. Great football mind, yeah. Uh, anyways. Is a nose for sure. Uh, uh, middle linebackers. Well, fuck. I skipped a whole paragraph. Uh, Lambert was a prototypical middle linebacker for what became known as the Tampa 2. Uh, Bud Carson, with his double rotating zone defenses, where safeties played back in a two deep zone and cornerbacks played in two shallow zones. Instead of having a middle linebacker to close the line and run support, they had the middle linebacker drop back into the middle zone, Tampa 2. Uh, they had not been used middle linebackers weren't really used like that at the time no so lambert was one of the first his side and speed made it perfect for yeah. him yeah. to not so much be run support but which he could do he, he could he yeah could. he plugged it pretty nicely uh lambert's four uh, i put this in here because that image in my mind we've all seen it if, oh, yeah. even if you don't even if you know very little about football we've all seen that image the cold air coming out his nose and he's standing there mouth open missing four <laughs> teeth the snarl it's an iconic Im- uh football image uh lambert uh ended up with 28 career interceptions over 1500 tackles uh and officially 23 and a half sacks in a nine-year span he made nine straight Pro Bowls and was NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 76. Uh, after Mean Joe Green missed several games due to a back injury, Lambert stood up and accepted the role as the Steelers' leader on defense. Uh, after quarterback Terry Bradshaw, receiver Lynn Swan, and several other starters went down for injuries uh, in 76 or 77, 75, whenever it was, I didn't put it in here. Uh, they struggled to a one-four record. At a players-only meeting, Lambert was very vocal and very colorful. Made it be known that the only way we're going to make the playoffs is defend our title. We do not lose another fucking game. And during a nine-span game, they didn't lose any more. Uh, the defense only allowed two touchdowns and had five shutouts. Wow! So he lit a fire under somebody's ass, probably snarling and cussing with his <sighs> four front teeth gone. Probably scared the shit out of somebody. Probably. Uh, in 2004, Fox Sports Net uh, listed Lambert as the toughest football player of all time. Uh, here we go again. Lambert's number 58 is one of the many jersey numbers officially, unofficially right. retired by the team. Uh, his jersey numbers perhaps got the most attention out of all such jerseys. The only two that's ever been officially retired is by Ernie Stautner and Joe Green. Uh, when Lambert retired, he reportedly told the equipment manager that he was not to issue 58 again. They had a little scuffle, and shortly thereafter, the equipment manager understood that that jersey would never be issued again. So I don't know if he got his ass kicked or if he shit his pants. But, uh, probably both. Uh, and then in 1990, Lambert was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Uh, NFL Network's countdown, uh, countdown show, NFL Top Ten, Named Lambert number eight most feared tackler and the number five Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. Uh, and here it has in my notes: Jack Ham was regarded as a better outside linebacker than Lambert as a middle inside linebacker. Uh, but that's to be determined. Right. Uh, 
opinion. Jack Lambert was a four-time Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and a whole list of all decades and all anniversaries team. And, of course, it's in college. He was also Defensive Player of the Year for the MAC. So he, he just played. He was a Steeler his whole career too. I think. Yeah. It sure was. What do you think number two is? It's got to be Terry Bradshaw. It's Terry Bradshaw. The uh, the other part of the top for two. Uh, Terry Bradshaw helmed the Steelers from seventy to eighty three. Yeah. Uh, he was tough as nails, unafraid of contact, and a true field general. Uh, Probably a good fit quarterback for that city oh, in that yeah, era. So yeah. uh, he was the first who first quarterback to also win four Super Bowls, which you point out every time we talk about sports when me and you were first getting to know each other. And I would make fun of you for being a Steelers fan. Yeah, well, yeah. but I, I'm sitting here, and over my right shoulder is a Steelers wall. So everybody hates champions, don't you? Everybody, it's just cocky son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Bradshaw was the first overall pick in the 1970 NFL draft, but he didn't win the start starting job permanently for a couple of seasons. He'd kind of have it for a little bit, lose it. Right. Uh, he was born September 2nd, 1948, Shreveport, Louisiana. Widely considered to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Bradshaw is known as a tough competitor and a powerful arm. Um. Did I put where he went to college? Oh, yeah, I did, because there's one reason why I put that. Uh, he attended Louisiana Tech University. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, second on the depth chart. Do you yeah. know who he was behind? Phil Robertson. Phil Robertson who? Oh, the Duck Commander. Duck Dynasty the, guy, yeah. Phil Robertson. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Some people thought that was myth. Phil no, it's Phil true. Robertson talked about it on an episode of Duck Dynasty. Yeah. Everybody said that's not, but it was. Uh, Robertson was a year ahead of Bradshaw, was a starter for two seasons, and chose not to play in 68. Robertson officially had told Terry Bradshaw, I'm going for Ducks, you go for the Bucks. So, yeah. Uh, during the earlier part of his career with the Steelers, Bradshaw also was a used car salesman during the offseason to supplement income. <laughs> I can see that where was he back in be. the days where they didn't get paid like they are yeah, now. Yeah, right. I can see Bradshaw selling ice to an Eskimo, maybe. Just <sighs> life insurance to a dead man. Yeah, I mean, holy crap. <laughs> He's a character. Yeah, so uh uh I couldn't find Contract information, which really irks me because I always like that comparison of dollars right. to dollars. Uh, I didn't put a whole lot in here, stats Why on not? this. Just Bradshaw lit it up in some ways. He's got some records. Roethlisberger's crushed some records. Yeah. I think Bradshaw might still have one or two left. But the, uh, the fact that he has four rings is the first player to do it. Yeah, that's. Uh, course fucking tom brady's I had ruined it, it for oh, everybody yeah. uh, cheater cheating bastards hey <laughs> yeah uh, well yeah and, and bradshaw's another one i had a franco harris jersey and a terry bradshaw jersey of course bradshaw's doing his own shit now he's 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 invested in everything he's got his hands and everything guys guys millionaire yeah, he's got his own show don't he uh he's yeah, he's got a show. He's got a liquor line. He's on the NFL yeah. Fox's NFL yeah. Countdown or Icon uh, Football. 
he retired in 83, 84, somewhere last, in there. Last game was against the Jets, I think. Yeah. Uh, Big injury. That it's one of the, often known one of the biggest opportunities. The Steelers passed on Marino, who played right there right in the there, backyard yeah, at Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. Uh, they ended up drafting instead Gabriel Rivera, who only played six games, yeah, and yeah, then uh, yeah. unfortunately the uh, car accident yeah. made him a quadriplegic for the rest of his yeah. life. So uh, basically, after Bradshaw's retirement, no offense to Tommy Maddox or to the guy I wanted to put on the list, and some dickhead wouldn't let me, Cordell Stewart. They really didn't have consistent quarterback no, play. Bobby Brister was not consistent. Until, until uh, Roethlisberger arrives right. in 2004. Uh, I think Mark Malone might have. The Steelers didn't retire number 12 officially, but nobody's had it since, and it's understood nobody will have it again. So, TB12. Not Tom Brady, the real TB12. That's right. Uh, four-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, uh, won the league MVP in '78, first-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, led the NFL in touchdowns twice, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, All-Decade teams, all that good shit. Uh, so here we are now at number one. I would put a drum roll in, but I don't think I need to. Uh, it. Surely everybody knows <laughs> if you, you were. If you don't know anything about the Steelers or football, you know this. Who, <laughs> Kurt? Who is the number one greatest Pittsburgh Steeler uh, of all time? Mean Joe Green. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The start of that dynasty. The nucleus. When it came time for new Steelers coach Chuck Knoll to make his first draft pick in 69, uh, he took a tackle, a defensive tackle from North Texas State, Joe Green. Uh, Joe would play 13 seasons in Pittsburgh, iron, uh, anchored a defense that would become known as the Steel Curtain. The Steel Curtain. Uh, he was born September 24th, 1946 in Temple, Texas. He was a 10-time Pro Bowler. Four-time All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, four-time champion, 69. He was Rookie of the Year. 1987, he went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, They were an absolute train wreck before they took him. Oh, yeah. Uh, By 72, they had improved to 11-3, which was their first winning season since 63. Joe was a huge part of that. Uh they dominated the 70s like i said you go back in time every era has pretty much been dominated you know the 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 50s and since you know the 60s was the packers right 70s steelers, steelers 80s 49ers niners, niners cowboys yep. the first part of the 2000s was the patriots yes. uh the 20 teens i guess you could fucking call it the patriots again yeah, i don't know yeah. but uh Ooh. uh they retired Mean Joe's jersey in 2014, the only second Steeler, second Steeler to receive the honor. Uh, he was the Pro Football Hall of Fame class in '87. He played 181 games as a Steeler. Uh, he became an assistant coach for the Steeler, and I pretty much cut my notes off there. But over here, since I'm hot spotting my phone, 
I got a few things I wanted to point out here. The Coca Cola commercial. Yeah, I was going to maybe mention go, that. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, Take the, the mic. Bit, the little kid in the uh, tunnel. Yeah. Head back to the locker room. Uh, I forget how that all went. Somehow he got his jersey, and the little kid went to give it back to Joe Green, and he traded for Coke. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool as shit, wasn't yeah, it? That was cool as shit. I mean, definitely an <laughs> iconic commercial. Anybody from the 70s, 80s will remember that. I mean, yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, you forgot your jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really wanted to, to – what I really wanted to do was when we got to Joe Green, I really wanted to run down and, and make a long spiel about him. But honestly, I think it speaks for itself. I don't need to. I mean, yeah. if somebody really wanted information, they can Google it. Uh, there is – and I'm going to say hot take, hot take, and I think you'll agree with me. There is no four championships without Joe Green. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, you still have other players you, you've put in place. You might get a couple, maybe. You may maybe get a couple. You probably won't. Right. But there's no four. There's no dominating a no. whole decade without no. Joe Green. No, he was. So. Pittsburgh Steelers football. I mean, that's number 75. Yeah. That's where it began. Definitely the dynasty began there, I mean. Certain numbers in football are legendary. Yeah. Number 21 was legendary. Defensive backs won it more than running backs because of Dion. Dion. Uh, fucking unfortunately, 12 because yeah. of Tom Brady. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. 75 is one of them yeah. for Joe Green. I mean, it's number seven, Elway. Elway. Uh, Michael Irvin, 88. 88, yeah. So. We're going to kind of end this there, kind of. There's something else I want to do here. Or actually, there's a few things I want to do. There's a lot of, a lot of guys that didn't make this Well, we'll, that, we'll get there. I mean, uh, so, we're going to run down the list again here. So, um, <coughs> and then we're going to plug a sponsor, and then we got to wrap up. And uh, I haven't been on my phone all evening. <laughs> I've got texts galore. So the list read, uh, the honorable mentions coming in was Kevin Green, Heinz Ward, Rod Woodson, and then we had a tie between Alan Fanica and Franco Harris. So shoot the Steelers guy over there for <laughs> Franco never making it. And then counting down, we had Brett Kiesel and Antonio Brown. We had Mike Webster, uh, James Harrison, Big Ben, Lynn Swan, Mel Blunt, Jerome Bettis. We had a tie at two between Lambert and Terry Bradshaw, and then it ends with Joe Green, and you can't put anybody other than Joe Green at one. Yeah. So, now, as we start to move to the closing procedures here, which will still be a little bit because we still have a little bit to get to, uh, we're going to plug our last official, unofficial sponsor. I just talked to her the other day, last week. Nana. Nana. Uh, She's going to be shipping our candles soon. Uh, Nana's... Aromas LLC. Check them on Facebook. Uh, located in beautiful Palmyra, Indiana. I've been up there many times. It's just right on the other side of the Crawford Harrison County line. Give her a call at 812-972-3670. She's probably one of the sweetest damn women you'll ever talk to. Uh, she does all this herself. She makes small batches so she can have better quality control. She hand wicks all of her candles, hand makes her, and she's got more than just candles. 
got wax melts, diffusers, sticks, got all sorts of stuff. Uh, that's pretty much her only source of income. But she does good enough with it. She's a sweet woman. And uh, check her out. She check her out. She she told me the other day. She said, Jared. She said, I appreciate you plugging me. I said, We're uh. You know, we've only had a couple hundred downloads in the first few months. She goes, yeah, but she goes, I've had a lot of traffic. Or she's talked about getting some traffic on her website or something like that. So who knows? Maybe we're helping yeah. each other. Oh, yeah. she, she thanked us, and I said, no, thank you. I said, because right. right. even though it's officially unofficial or whatever, however stupid I word it all the time, it helps. But, uh, okay. <coughs> so we still got a little bit to get to. Um... This was the list, and the date on it's July fifth. So, are you looking at some of your stuff too? Yeah. So, some of the names that was on this list, and and keep in mind, we had about fifty people in mind, and we talked a little bit, and then we start putting pen to paper, and came up with thirty six. Some of the players that did not make this list, uh, or the honorable mention list was uh. Rocky Blair. Rocky Blair. Rocker yeah. Blair, excuse me. Uh, Stallworth. John Stallworth. Uh, Joey Porter. Elsie Greenwood. Elsie Greenwood. Jack Ham. Jack Ham. Greg Lloyd. Yep. Dermani. Yep. Dawson. Donnie Shell. Yep. Um, Plaxico Burris. Yep. Cordell Stewart. Lawrence Timmons. So there were some guys that those were all the guys we wrote down, not counting all the other guys that we left off. Antoine right. Randall L, well, yeah. uh, Aaron Smith, Casey yeah, Hampton. Yeah. Uh, There's so many. I know it was hard to do. It Yo, was hard. And I know we'll you wanted that. to put Coach Noel on the list, yeah, and I, I said, "Well, fuck." Then we ought to put Cower on the list. I mean, he was a stealer. Noel was. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, we gotta keep it to the players. So, let's do. I'm gonna get a drink. Let's do what we usually do. Let's let's do a little word association. Okay. Because <laughs> you always seem to have fun with that. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm gonna light one up too. Nicotine's good for the soul. Mm. So, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be one word. Just what what comes to mind, Kurt. So, the making of this list. <laughs> the making of this list? Yeah. Uh, difficult. Difficult? Difficult, yeah. Fun. Fun. What do you think where everybody's ranked at? First thing that comes to mind. Accurate? Uh, I, shouldn't it, be, I shouldn't be force-feeding you. That, well, that just depends. I mean, like I say, it's opinionated. Opinions, and you know, everybody probably has the same opinion. But I think we did a pretty good job on it. Mean Joe Green. Oh, legend. Legend? Yeah. The Steeler. The Steeler? The Steeler. The greatest Steeler of all time. Yeah. Elsie Greenwood. Uh, big compliment. Should have been on the list, but I couldn't put it. I mean, I right. just. Another fearsome defensive lineman. Now, here's one for you. This is a pick em. Jack Ham or Jack Lambert? Jack Lambert. boy. Yeah. Um, John Stallworth or Lynn Swan? Lynn Swan. And that was tough. That was tough. Because I liked them both. That yeah. one, 
That one was harder for me than Hambert versus Lam- or Lambert, <laughs> Lambert versus Ham. Ham. Stallworth and Swan was tough. Ham was a little bit injury prone. That's just you want. You want to think about something? I was thinking about this, and I swear to you, this is my own thought process. I didn't read this in an article or rip it from anywhere. I thought about this. How lucky was Pittsburgh to play in an era without a salary cap where they could have afforded to have both Stallworth and Swan on the team? Oh, yeah. Do you imagine doing that today in salary cap, the money these guys would have commanded? There's been no way. They would have ate up too much. Stallworth, well, he was number one on anybody else's team. Yeah, they always, you know – Stallworth was produ- more productive. Swan was more flashy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, here's a word association. The Steelers franchise as a whole. Solid. Solid. Yeah, top to bottom. Top to bottom. Lifelong Steelers fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I mean, the fact that they've only had three coaches in their last... What, 50 years? Something like that. That says something for an organization, I think. What do you think about this episode? It's pretty good. I don't think it's going to be my favorite. I I don't know. I was just in a good place that day. had a good vibe. That 85 World Series episodes, I hold that one in the highest regard now. I hold that higher than Tiger. We'll do some more World Series. Oh, you can count on it. Yeah. Baseball is what gets you the most fired up. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I guess we should pick a topic for next week, but apparently that's already been done for yeah. us. So uh, I posted on our Steel Toes and Scoreboards Facebook page that I was listening to Kurt. What few listeners we had, Kurt wanted to have a viewer's choice, or I guess it'd be a listener's choice. Right. So we threw out six topics. We threw out pro wrestling, the rise in the golden era in the 80s. We threw out there a non-sports episode, which would be from our Steel Toes. Uh, I can't forget what all we put on there and pulled. The Islanders win four straight yeah. Stanley Cups. Tyson versus Ali. Uh, McGuire versus Sosa looking yeah. back. or the I think it was the 2013 NBA Finals, which, by the way, probably my favorite finals I've watched in the last 20 years. Probably the best one was the, tw- was the first matchup between the Spurs and the Heat. Pretty the seven-game series, yeah. yeah. Danny Green and Patty Mills were balling out, and that Ray Allen was clutch. Uh, anyways, uh, I took the poll down yesterday. We ended up with like, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 votes, whatever. Uh, our third anchor, Dole, said he tried to vote on it and wouldn't let him vote. That was probably when I shut it down. What did you vote anyway? Hmm? What did you vote? What, what did what, you vote? What did I vote for? Yeah. Heat and Spurs would have been a great. <laughs> We're going to cover it, that yeah, eventually. That'd be good. But uh, in a runaway, it looks like everybody voted Tyson versus Ali. So, what if? Me, yeah, our first what if special, which we tried to do the what if special for KD, and then we switched it to the episode I've still not listened to, the sports moments, but. We're going to try our hand at another what if special episode again. I'm going to try to figure out how to piece this together. And I told Kurt, it's going to have to end with us simulating a fight. Yeah, somehow. And you're, you're like, how are we, we going to do, do that? that? I said, I don't know. We're going to have to go round for round. Uh, I know we touched this on, on my favorite other episode was our 2 a.m. bonus episode. <laughs> we touched on that briefly. Uh, we'll have to think more in deep. But I think 
if you if you put these guys both in their prime, which Ollie's prime was like mid to late sixties, yeah. Tyson's prime was like eighty five, eighty six yeah, on up yeah. through ninety. Uh, if you find a way to put them two together Good and you fight. put it in Madison Square Garden and Good you sell fight. it out, oh man, that should do two hundred million dollars oh, on yeah. pay per view, oh, easy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a hell of a payday. Uh, well, I don't know, like preemptively building up. Oh yeah, fight. that's a. I, I swear, swear, I don't know how many pay per view buys that is, but that's gonna uh, probably two hundred million dollar pay per view. Uh. I don't know. I want to say Tyson knocks him out. Then I want to right. say they go the distance, and it's right. by decision. Like, we're really going to have to think about how to prepare for this. So, I've already got my mind, though, what happens. What happens? Lights out. Tyson? Tyson knocks him out. Man, Ali was a different kind of cat. Elusive. MMA kind of overtook boxing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, But I still love boxing. Yeah, I mean, me too. It's just not what it used to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, UFC is taking over for sure. And I like the UFC in that. Ah, yeah. What, I think that was on our that was on our list over here too. There's the the infamous list you always tell everybody I carry <laughs> with me. On page two, it's got the uh, rise of MMA. I listed that as episode number thirty six. <laughs> We've not followed these in any order. Which I guess, Kurt, I guess now I can cross yeah. the top 10 Steelers of all time off the list. That was episode number 37, by the way. Okay. That was right after the MMA episode. <laughs> so I guess we put the power to the people, what few people we have. So I guess next week we would well, do episode number three. Maybe we'll gain some uh, fans or we might have lost some fans too. I don't know. <laughs> What do you always say? I'm, oh, I'm going to piss some people off. Well, I mean. <laughs> what, you, what you guys don't know is, uh, you know, we have the little sound pad here where we, you know, we play all this music to do intros and outros right there. I told Kurt, we need to finally create us a show entrance. So uh, we're going to take a little break here, I think. And then later on, we're going to find a tune and we're going to record our intro and Hopefully, we'll plug it in at the beginning of this yeah. episode in post-production. But uh, So, there we are, man. Yeah. Top 10 greatest Steelers of all time. Fun. Had fun. Joe Green, right where he belongs. Yeah. Yep. This was a good episode. Oh, yeah. So, uh, got anything else you want to say? Yeah, man. God bless everybody. God bless everybody. Uh, and uh, one thing I want to do. Real quick, and I didn't tell Kurt about this. I wanted to do this. Uh, we try to record every week, um, and we were going to record last week. Uh, unfortunately, last week I had to be a pallbearer in a funeral. Uh, I lost a guy that was pretty close to me. Uh, I worked with him for uh, 10 years. Uh, he was my boss two different times. He was a supervisor down there. Uh he uh, lost his battle due to COVID. Uh, me and you ain't talked a whole lot about COVID, and I've told you I, I haven't got my shot yet. I haven't got vaccinated, and I'm putting that out there. I'm unvaccinated. I don't care. But uh, after losing him, I've made the decision I'm probably gonna get vaccinated now. Uh, he was one of the he was the one of the hardest working men I've ever known in my life. Uh, 
and that was that happened the two weeks i was off from my foot there and uh you know i was posting on it, it fucked me up dude it's it's fucked me up he was uh the best boss i ever had no offense adam uh he was the best boss i ever had he was one of my damn good friends and then i i uh they asked me to be a pallbearer and i said sure and then uh i want to the whole reason i'm saying this is because i had made my mind that he's never going to hear this and i doubt his family listens to the podcast but i want to do this for my own personal recognition uh of him recognition i was going to dedicate this episode to his memory just because i felt that was the way i needed to cope but uh I wanted to read something real fast, dude, if that's okay with you. Yeah, it's fine, man. Yeah. Uh, I got a message from a wonderful woman I worked with down there 10 years also. And uh, she reached out to me a week ago tonight after the funeral. And she said, uh, I read your post about uh, James. His name was James Patton. She said, and it was uh, so good it made me cry. Uh, heaven gained an incredible man. When uh, you were terminated from your job, uh James was sitting out at break one day, and I sat beside him, and uh, he looked like he had been uh, a little upset, and I asked him what was wrong, and he said that they had let you go after 10 years, and they did you kind of dirty, uh, and he, he said you were his little sidekick, and he was going to miss you. Uh, she said, I'm very sorry for what you're going through. This doesn't seem real. Heaven gained a, a good man, and they, and they did, and uh, – I'm it sorry, was bro. ah, dude. I tell you what, it, he uh, he never asked us to do anything we he wouldn't do yeah, himself. Right. And I and I tell you what, uh, I I made the running joke for ten years. This guy built like a little bird's nest in my ass, and the motherfucker would live in it for twelve hours a fucking day. And uh, God, he used to crawl in my ass, crawl in my ass, crawl in my ass. <laughs> And I'd sit there after he'd walk away from the machine and go, fuck this guy, fuck this guy. And just, you know, but at the end of the night, he'd come up to me, pat me on the back, goes, you did a hell of a job. I said, well, you were on my ass. He goes, I was just fucking with you half the uh-huh. night, which sometimes he was. Sometimes I did drive him crazy. But uh, uh, I miss you, brother. I love you. James Patton, rest in peace. This uh, episode was dedicated to you. He's a big Packers fan. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to he was my boss during super bowl 45 so i was constantly texting him every time the steelers would right, score right. just egging it on of course he he ended up getting the last right. laugh but uh he's a big louisville cardinals fan too really? huge sports guy uh he's actually i think he checked out the podcast in some of the initial episodes so uh how old was he uh 55 no wait he's born in 65 that made him so 56. 56 yeah he his birthday was uh july 5th he died the day after on his birthday july 6th uh they were they knew what was going to happen and uh they were going to open up the hospital to non-family to come say their goodbyes and i had his son had called and told me and you know that was when i was off for my foot right, and i was right. you know i was like i'm gonna go down there and didn't never got the chance so but uh, this this episode, James, is dedicated to your memory, which I know it ain't gonna mean nothing because your your family's not gonna hear this probably. But uh, I love your brother, and uh, yeah, it's enough yeah. sad stuff for I tear up like a baby over here. I didn't bald my eyes out real good that week, but uh, so that's why there was no episode last week. I just wasn't mentally in a place to do it. 
but that gave me extra time to prepare for this which i think turned out good oh yeah we all understand yeah so uh all right guys for uh Dirty Curdy over here. We're gonna get Nick. We gotta get nicknames. Yeah, we were talking about that at work yeah, the other day. Yeah, we were. I can't keep calling you Dirty Curdy. <laughs> it kind of right. It kind of rings though. What, I, what did I call myself, Mister Perfect? Because that's that's my name on NBA 2K, Mister Perfect. Right, oh, yeah. When I was playing, Mister Perfect onto the court, Mister Perfect for three. Because I I always bring my stats up to 99 overall, so nobody can beat me. So. But uh, all right, guys, join us next week uh, or the week after, depending on how our schedules go. We cover a what if special, yeah. Tyson versus Ali, uh, for Kirk Kelly, yep. my best brother. friend. I love you, brother. I love you too, bro. Uh, we will see you guys next week.